0: Bye, bye, fiance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so awesome, yeah. dude! I'm so happy for thank you it. too.
0: Yeah, thank you.
2: That's cool. Did you get really creative with the proposal?
3: Um, a little bit. I mean, not too. My my goal was to like make her think something was
1: wrong when it was starting. And I succeeded <laughs> in that. That's, <laughs> we need to talk <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's basically, Jake, like, We need like,
3: to have a serious talk
0: Jake's <laughs> like can, can you look at this This skin tag on my ass And he wrote Will you marry me
4: <laughs> <laughs> Episode
2: 459
3: There's already like 7 million
1: It's a trap.
3: Gonna to toss it, gonna to taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it and erase it. Let's embrace the wear party subculture spill over like a vulture carryover over. culture pushover pop culture leftovers. And we the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. I'm still pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Hey, this is Hall of Famer Dominique Wilkins, and you listen to Pop Culture
2: Leftovers.
0: Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian.
1: I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Leftovers. Leftovers. Yay!
0: Yeah! 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 What if we What if we came in with that ridiculous
1: energy? (laughs) Yeah! yeah. Yeah. How long of like Yeah! Yeah. The audience really take before they're like these guys have gone fully off the rails. Yeah! Woo! Yeah! Like we're like literally like our
0: our shows so fucking shitty that we have to be our own cheerleaders, Joe. hilarious (laughs) yeah do we do we really believe this yeah uh anyway
3: (laughs) just back and forth with yeah 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 man you go joe
0: (laughs) yeah we got it man It'd
1: be so awkward, but the, I think the awkwardness would make it yeah. funny.
0: I, I love the fact that me and you are both mocking positivity right now. I know, right? <laughs> like, like positivity is so fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> People write books about
2: that shit, Joe. I know, right? <laughs>
0: There are a whole entire cat posters dedicated to that kind of bullshit. <laughs>
1: Just hang in there. <laughs> Every guidance counselor's office had that poster oh with the my kitten God. hanging from the clothesline, right? Oh
0: man, I wanted the I wanted them to open the door and see me hanging from their ceiling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hang in there. This guy <laughs> died with a smile on his face like he had Joker toxin. <laughs> it, it's, it, <laughs> it's not as tragic if he died with a smile.
0: <laughs> Look, we both play with yarn. You know? Um, <laughs> that's kind of like my John McClane. Now I've got a machine gun too. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, man.
1: Oh, Christ! How, how do you knit yarn into a decorative noose? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I hung myself, but it's also a project. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, can I? Pos- this one's starting dark.
2: <laughs> I've got an A in sewing and an F in
0: life. Can I posthumously get a, uh, an A plus on this uh, on this project? <laughs> oh, Max was a success. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, Paul, welcome to the show, man.
4: Yay! Yeah! 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 Hey, give me a P. Give me a C.
0: Do you remember with being that young and 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 saying shit like that? I remember being so young uh that I used to say "Yay, yay!"
2: <laughs> Dude, I Anakin, Ryan, I, right? I I teach kindergarten. And I have to do it every day, like. Like I I point to the letter A in the kid. I'm like, what letter is that? And he's like, A. And I got to be like,
4: yay, you did
2: it. (laughs) Or like a kid comes back. Yay, your fly is zipped up. You did it. Like just every little thing I'm cheerleading. Just constant cheerleading.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> apply that in every aspect of my life. Like, do it just some
2: random guy at like
0: Target putting like something in his cart.
2: Yay!
4: You yeah, you did it. Yeah, did it.
0: Do a cartwheel and just run off. Some guy like you know walks away from the urinal. Yeah, <laughs> yay. You did Try a closed stall door that's the day you i shook it three times
4: yay that's
0: the day i got beat with one inch beat <laughs> beat with one,
2: brian found out he was a hell's angel
0: yeah i got beat within one inch of my life that day in the fucking men's bathroom at target <laughs> 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 as my <laughs> as my face slid down, uh, down the fucking wall, the guy said,
3: yay,
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're bleeding. <laughs> Woo.
1: Uh, I've, always, I've always wanted to have the bravery to walk up to like a wall full of occupied urinals and take your stance. You get your dick pulled out, you start pissing, but then you call your shot like Babe Ruth. And I'm not saying you point like you're pissing on the ceiling, but you're just pointing towards the ceiling and people are wondering why is this guy doing this <laughs> i've never done it i've never been brave enough but i think it'd be funny <laughs> i think you know the I questions wanna... in everybody's minds would be funny
2: you know what i want to do is, is is like at a concert when it's just like the bathrooms are packed or like a state fair all the urinals are full i just want to walk up to one and and just approach it like you were in elementary school, like you just drop your pants to your ankles and walk up and just take a piss.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you ever see an adult man do that?
1: No, but no, and that's hilarious. I've seen I it. Kind
0: of want to do that. You've seen that? I've seen an adult man do that. Yeah, I, I definitely have seen that in my lifetime. <laughs>
2: Or what yeah. is it? What is it, kingpin? Where he's taking a shit in one of the stand ups? Do you guys have a
0: problem? Do you guys have a problem going pee in like the on the shorter urinal? Or do you always like avoid that one and go up to, oh, the, to if, the, the? If there's top?
1: not dividers between the urinals, like and it's all occupied like that, I'm gonna wait for a stall. I, I don't just stand next to people. But I've also had traumatic weird things happen in the past in rest stops where you've been taking a pit. Like one time, I was taking a piss. And it was like there's nobody else, I, so I thought, in this bathroom. And it's like the urinals are on this wall and the stalls are on the opposite wall. But then the sink was right next to the urinals. And so there's a mirror in front of the sink, right? And I'm standing there pissing. And I can see the stalls behind me in the mirror next to me in the, in the sink. And all of a sudden I hear this creaking door sound. <laughs> and I look in the mirror and the stall door is creaked open. And there's a guy sitting there taking a shit with his dick in his hand watching me piss. Oh, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Rural Iowa fucking rest stop bathroom.
2: Oh man, that is, I, I was at a place where there was probably like 20 urinals on the wall and I went right to the, no one in there. I went right to the middle one and this guy comes in and pisses right next to me.
1: Oh, that's bad form. That's bad form. You got to take the urinal furthest away. Don't make that guy uncomfortable. Uh. So,
2: so, so I just said, that's a really cool ring. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> My dad would have said, "Wow, like, this water's cold." <laughs> I was in high school. I was like, "I was a fucking piece of shit." I'm like, "Hey, that's a really cool ring you have there." <laughs> and then just just kept eye contact with the guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've never been one, but you ever heard of those bathrooms where it's like you're in the you're in the fucking stall and you can see out, but they can't see in.
2: Yeah, it's got that weird oh, yeah. glass. I've never been in those, but I've, I've heard of
0: my. them. Yeah, it's weird. What if somebody walked in and then like started like you're sitting on the fucking toilet and somebody walked in and they just started peeing in between your legs and they were just like, <laughs> 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 like they were trying to shoot the gap. Like no, they're the like they're like, listen, I'm trying to be eco friendly. One flush, you know what I mean? <laughs> if you didn't get any on me, I'd be like, damn, you dude, got you you got the brown, I got the yellow. You know, oh, let's
1: <laughs> like the guy's a master at the game operation. Yeah. Yeah. Like this guy <laughs> has never
0: fucking like heard the buzz on the Charlie horse ever.
1: <laughs> like, wow.
2: Maverick is real. <laughs> yeah, no Maverick shit is real. <laughs> <laughs> <He doesn't>... Wow. <Whoa. laughs> I'm not even mad. <laughs> that would
1: be really uncomfortable, though. Just a complete stranger. And you just got to trust the, the, the trueness of their stream. The, the, they're not gonna get it on your package. I don't think that legs. guy's getting his
0: fucking pants unzipped before I'm fucking like
1: <laughs>
0: pushing him the fuck out of the stall. Well, like, there's in no you're sitting,
1: you're right at perfect like nut punching height, you know? Yeah. Oh,
2: or or if he just doesn't say anything, he just walks up just with it out, just uh, just walks right up before you can even react, and you just realize there's a
0: string <laughs> going
2: between mm-hmm. your legs.
0: I would t- I would teach him a lesson. I would I would just start blowing him. <laughs> like, like
1: <laughs> I'll show that guy! I'll show you. Nobody expects the surprise. No, bro
2: job. no. Off the semen, I got you, motherfucker. Uh,
0: the bathroom <laughs> stall, BJ. You. The ultimate revenge.
4: I got the you. ultimate
0: revenge. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> one up
1: (sighs) i win the day (laughs) and i thought we were off to a weird start earlier congratulations on on taking us to the next level yeah
2: (laughs) that you feel like a man now
1: (laughs) i taught that motherfucker i sucked his dick i (laughs) sucked his yeah
2: you're telling your buds, dude this guy came up to me in a bathroom he started peeing between my legs you know what i did they're all like what I sucked the shit out of his dick.
0: <laughs> and I do it again. And I do it again. <laughs> and you're like, why are you following Steve to the bathroom, Brian?
1: I- <laughs> Bru- Brian, Brian. <laughs> I got to teach that fucker a lesson. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I learned a couple things that day yeah, about myself.
4: You know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's no splatter-free way to approach a blowjob midstream. Would you have done anything different? I would have fondled his balls, maybe, you know?
2: (laughs) The other guy is telling his friends, I was just being an asshole. I was pissing between this guy's legs expecting to get punched. You know what he did to me? He sucked my dick.
0: <laughs> that's not a story you share, Paul. That's one of the, that's one of those to be. That's one of those stories you take to the grave, you know? You want hey that real therapist. Real fucking real real talk here. I swear to God. We're gonna we're gonna get to the content and all that other fucking crap we all that homework bullshit we do every week. <laughs> You know what I saw this week? I'd never seen this out in the wild in my entire life. I've been on this earth 45 fucking years and I've never seen this out in the wild. It was I was I was I was out in uh I was kind of like out in the country and I was driving and there was like this uh uh truck and it was parked on the side of the road and the closer I got I was like, "Oh, there's somebody out there uh with their with their dog." Uh, and, uh, so, oh, the, you know, do- you think, you know, the dog ne- may, maybe needs to take a shit or a piss, but, uh, it wasn't the dog that was taking a piss. It was the owner of the dog and it was not a guy. I've never seen a woman. <laughs> She was popping a squat, popping a squat, like right off the road. Like, so anybody
1: on the main road (laughs) driving by can see her. I saw that about a month ago. No shit. The last time (laughs) we were going out on a hike, I only she was down in the ditch. I was like everybody in my car. I was like, did you guys see that? (laughs) This is me. It's Uh, wild. You don't expect it. You you don't
0: expect it. Like, it's like, uh, you know. Uh it, it was three thirty in the day. There, there was like no fog or nothing. It was just like a a random woman. There was no fog, nothing. Wait,
2: was it like? Was it? Was it on Saint Patrick's Day? Oh God, when was it? It was on Friday. I kind of see it making a little bit of sense.
0: I think it was Friday. I think it might have been Saint Patrick's Day.
1: It might have been. It's Saint a holiday day. that's centered around drinking. So yeah, yeah, yeah. She's. I was. But it that's was, still a rarity. Yeah, it
2: even was, on even on the holiest of days.
0: I know it was so weird, uh, and it was like it. It was nothing that it was like I, I couldn't. I, I, I'm just going to keep driving. You know, I had to drive down that road, and it was just like. Locking eyes with this woman urinating, it's like, oh, you made eye contact. I didn't. I didn't know what I was seeing at first, Paul. I'm not knocking. And then I realized, like, holy shit! Yes, we then we locked eyes. Thank God she
1: was (laughs) she was wearing sunglasses. I say shame on her for looking in the direction of cars. Yeah, because that that's like when you catch a dog taking a shit and you lock eyes with the dog. I should have, like, honked the horn. You know what I mean?
0: Watch, watch her tip over or something. Or pretended to lose control of your car in
2: her direction.
1: See if you can fly- frighten their bladder so it just takes longer squatting longer. God, it was so weird. I've never seen that
0: out in the wild. You know what I mean? So. And then Brian
2: hears on the radio a little bit later, there's, like, a 24-car pileup on that road. Like, oh, shit.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I I wish I rubbernecked a little too hard. (laughs) I wish I wouldn't have seen it. It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, man. Yeah,
1: it's not like titillating. It's (laughs) not. You just saw this thing. It's like, oh, great. Now I have to live with this. This thought in my fucking head of this fucking woman
0: (laughs) bent down. (laughs) Fucking stream. The unsexiest thing I've ever fucking seen in my life. (laughs) Like anytime I need to like, like, you know, kill a
1: boner in public, I'll just (laughs) think about that. (laughs) <laughs> you're trying to not, trying to not release too quick. You Your think
2: about that. that clear Some people time.
1: think of baseball. You think of this random woman peeing in a rural. Fucking uh, it used to. It used to be
0: my seventh grade German teacher. <laughs> oh, now it's no. now it's her.
1: So, <laughs> Jesus Christ, <freak. laughs> seventh grade German teacher, quite the boner killer, huh? Oh God,
0: oh Mrs. lohnert whoo, oh
1: no. You want to kill a boner? Think a loner. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. If I had to think of somebody from elementary school to kill a boner, I think I'd think of the weird guy that used to come and give us like the basic skills tests. And it was always spelling tests. And it was this guy that had a weird accent. And he couldn't say oats correctly. And so as a class, we all looked forward to when he would say oats because he would say Oats, <laughs> and then we would all snicker and then spell oats correctly because that's an easy fucking word to spell. Yeah, how did he say it? Oats, oats, <laughs> and then he would repeat it. He go oats, oats. <laughs> We'd all laugh like this guy says oats funny. Uh, you should have been like, if
0: if you had a bunch of them and you put them in a meal, what would you call? What would you call that? <laughs> Finish this sentence. <laughs> Honey bunches of...
1: <laughs> I guarantee you, I could send a message to anybody from the class of 99 and be like, Oats, and they would think of this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a be guy. like some Manchurian
0: candidate shit. We had a guy, We uh, when I went to church when I was a little kid, there was a guy who used to teach Sunday school and he had he had a weird accent like i i could never pinpoint like where the fuck he was from but he would say the one word i could pick out and kind of say like him he would in, instead of saying fire he would say fryer <laughs> and he would go <laughs> <laughs> and so my, my sister noticed that he would say you know fryer really weird and so we me and my sister would just look at each other and go <laughs> i'm a f- <laughs> I'm a fryer fighter fighting Friars.
1: <laughs> be like, hey, who's that dude with the hood that hung out with Robin Hood?
0: <laughs> fryer talk. <laughs> and what if he joined the fire department? Would he be <laughs> Friar Friar. Friar. Uh, Rid- ridiculous, man! I don't even want to review shit this episode. I just want to treat this shit, man. I, I want to treat it like I treat that guy's dick in the stall. I just want to blow this episode. <laughs> <sighs>
2: I'm gonna show this episode. Oh,
0: man, <laughs> maybe that lady was just trying to show her dog what she wanted it to do.
4: <laughs>
0: maybe it was like a lesson, like teaching her dog, like you know. <laughs> I'm
1: Stop watching, it. princess. This, this is how, this you, how do you do it. it.
0: <laughs> the dog, the dog, it just pisses in the house, and it, it, so she's like,
1: "This is how it's done."
2: god damn it princess
1: a true leader leads by example you know i'm a, I'm a visual learner maybe the dog is too <laughs> i'm the master of this pack i need to show it how this shit yeah, works
0: exactly Fuck Pavlov. <laughs> uh, anyway well, we got uh last week we had a contest for 80 for brady and I'm going to be going over the, uh, winners for the, uh, digital codes for 80 for Brady. I want to thank the f- same fucking six, seven people that enter these contests every goddamn week. The rest of you fucking suck. Um, <laughs> so thanks for the six or seven fucking people. Uh, first winner is Steven Chavez. Number two is Brandon Olson. Yay! Woo! Yay! Yay! number three is Nicholas Centones. Number four is... Yay! (laughs) Yay. It's Rob Forrest. Yay! Yay! And number... I'm done with that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll stop. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Number... five, please. Number five... (laughs) Number five is Tammy Hatfield. So there you go. There's your winners. We've got Tammy Hatfield, Rob Forrest, Nicholas and Tones, Brandon Olson, and Steven Chavez. All right. What do we got here? Um, I don't have iTunes reviews pulled up. We got a new one. I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it in, uh, in the coming weeks, but, uh, be nice to, nice to have a stockpile of these by the time we get back, you know. It'd be nice to be able to read off two or three of them, Joe. But you know what? You know, in order to do that, people got to fucking send them.
1: Yeah, that's right. If you're listening, you're thinking, I haven't left these fuckers a review. Now's your chance. Yeah. Uh,
0: guilting you into it. That's <laughs> those are the, those the, are the way
1: that all of good reviews are made. <laughs> yeah.
0: not, not you know, Nothing done of your own accord. Like, oh, yeah, these guys have been providing me free entertainment for fucking a, nearly a decade. No, it's just, we got to guilt you into it. <laughs> we're, the, we're the, we're the, we're the, we're the fucking, we're the fucking mother-in-laws of podcasting. Jesus Christ.
1: Right. It's we're like every time down. I go visit my grandma and she'll be like, hello, stranger. And it's like, yeah, I know it's been a month, grandma. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: grandma, you ever think that you're boring?
1: <laughs> maybe if you were less grandma, maybe if you put the grand back in ma, okay? this isn't just on me ethel i got i got fond memories of watching her stories and playing solitaire yeah
0: oh my god my 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 great-grandmother there is literally nothing to do there like it was it was just it was not kid-friendly at all she had one fuck she had a fucking vcr and one vhs tape and it was the sound of music oh no (laughs) Jesus Christ! Hills were alive over there, my friend. Uh, Hills were alive for about five minutes when they started <laughs> singing. I turned that shit off. I was like, "Fuck <laughs> this!" This
2: is why you hate musicals.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Oh. She, she, she. Fucking the 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 guy came over to put in her TV. She got a color TV and a with a remote control, and uh, the guy came in and installed it. Which, uh, how much did she pay for that? To have a guy just fucking plug it in the wall.
1: <laughs> Dude, I remember my grandma was terrified of her VCR. And I was like, it's not a scary thing. I know there's a lot of buttons on this remote control, but you can do this. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's, it's. And so he put the remote control up like
0: on her mantle and it just sat there. She was scared to use the remote control. She thought if you like stood in front of it and and it you would get hit with like some kind of like like gamma radiation, she turned it into the Hulk or some shit. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and so the only time that remote ever got used was when we were over there. And it was I I, I also think she didn't she didn't believe that man went to the moon. That was another another thing <laughs> I
4: remember
0: <about> her.
1: <laughs> that's excellent (laughs) she thought it was all holly she thought
0: it was all hollywood special effects
1: so yeah kubrick dude i remember one time years ago my sister was like a phenom in volleyball and i remember she was on this club volleyball team and we had to go our my parents i i got maybe in retrospect stupidly invited me along to this team dinner and there was i like I remember a long time ago, there was this documentary that was on Fox where it was talking about the possibility that the moon landing was faked, which I didn't believe, but I'm really good at just storing like nonsensical nuggets of like trivial information. And so I started talking about it during this meeting and one of the dads on the club volleyball was like fiercely patriotic or something and like he was really, really upset about me talking about this. So I really <laughs> leaned into this angle of I don't think we landed on the moon and I made this guy super upset. And I think to this day my mom and dad are embarrassed by my behavior. But still really hilarious watching this guy slowly lose his shit throughout this video or throughout this dinner of we'll me yeah. talking about this fucking series.
0: Oh man. He would have he would he would have hated my great grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean we didn't land on the moon? I don't know, man. there's all these fucking points <laughs> if he's not arguing with a child, he's arguing with a fucking
1: you know woman well and and that's where this guy lost. He was arguing with a fourteen year old or fifteen year old or however old I was. Yeah. It's like, come on, you don't he's come on, can not you see this guy's
0: table. Pu-
1: <laughs> yeah, can't you see that this kid is pushing your buttons and he's winning?
0: All right, you guys ready to get into the uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop portion? Yeah, we might as well.
3: Yeah. All right, here we go. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop.
0: Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like, like you to be familiar with our rating system.
3: The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party.
0: All right. Uh, I went went to the theatre this week and uh, I saw... Uh, Amazon Prime had a special early screening of a two o'clock showing of uh, Dungeons and Dragons: uh, Honor Among Thieves, and so I've really been looking forward to this movie since it's from uh, Jonathan Francis Daly and I think Jonathan Goldstein, I think, is their names, the directors of that movie. John Francis Daly of uh, Freaks and Geeks, I, I I love him. I think he's great, and and these guys were the game night directors. Um, I think they're. <clears throat> fucking brilliant. I love Game Night. One of my f- favorite comedies that the year that it came out, Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams, Jesse Plemons fantastic movie. So I was really looking forward to seeing what they did with Dungeons and Dragons cuz I know that they're fans. I mean, there was a Dungeons and Dragons episode on Freaks and Geeks. I think it was actually the series finale. Um but um yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil the movie for anybody because it is coming out uh, at the end of March. But spoilers on my reaction, I loved it. It's a blast. I had a I had a great time watching this. It was it's a lot of fun. Um, I think uh, uh, uh they. They See, I, and I, I'm not like a Dungeons and Dragons player. I did grow up watching the 80s cartoon. I was a huge fan of that. And if you're a fan of that, you're going to love this movie as well, because they do pay homage to that in the movie, and you'll be very excited there. Um, but I love the characters. Pa- Chris Pine's great. Justice Smith is great. Who's the girl... Uh, she plays like the barbarian in this one. She's from the Fast and Furious movies, the one that's... Michelle Rodriguez? Yeah, she's really good in this too. Um, and then there's like, uh, oh my god, she's got, like, she's got like a love interest, like a former love interest in this movie, who is, it's, it's a cameo of a, of an actor, and oh my god, it's one of the funniest parts in the movie. I, I thought the action was fantastic. I loved the, the, the girl that's like the, the, she's like a shapeshifter and she turns into an owl bear. The owl bear is awesome. The dragons looked really good in this. Um, there's a, there's a magic battle between two, ma- uh, magicians that is one of the most fun magic battles I've ever seen. Um, I'm not gonna say like, oh, it's Harry Potter magic battle. Like, it's not that. It's more like a, the magic battle that you see Egg Shen and Lo Pan have in like, Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. It's really fun, though. Oh, Um, nice. So I love Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. It's an absolute Tupperware, and I can't wait to see it again. Um, Do I think that Dungeons and Dragons players are going to love this movie? I have no fucking clue, nor do I care. <laughs> Just <to> be honest <laughs> with you. I don't know and I don't care I, because I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Like if they have problems because it didn't do this or didn't do that or it didn't whatever, it's like I, I can't. I don't follow I, that. I don't I don't get it. I loved it. And I hope it does well in the box office and we can see more of this because it was way better. Anything's better than, like, I think that movie that came out in the late 90s with uh, the uh, Wayans, one of the Wayans Yeah, with Marlon Wayans. Wayans, That thing was rough. Yeah, this is great.
1: I watched that precisely one time and I was like, oh, what a disappointment Mm -hmm. on what should have been a a great fantasy movie. They just have so much stuff to draw from. And to make a movie that disappointing, I am – I've been excited to see this movie since I saw the first trailer, and I'm so stoked to hear that that you Tupperware'd this thing. I I tried to see this thing early as well, and unfortunately, it just wasn't playing in my area. And so I guess I'll have to wait till next week, but now I'm going to it even more stoked because from the first trailer, I thought this thing just looked like a lot of fun.
0: It is. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's some stuff that like, you know, you're going to get some people that are going to be like, oh, it was predictable. I saw. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's I mean, it's it's not fucking, you know, glass onion. It's not knives out. Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm not expecting them to break new ground on Dungeons and Dragons movie. It's just make it a fun movie uh, like a fun fantasy movie.
0: Yeah.
2: What are you saying, Paul? want to be entertained yeah, yeah yeah predictable so what are you having a fun time
0: yeah Fuck. shit paul paul just went full russell crow and gladiator there <laughs> didn't are he? you
4: not entertained <laughs>
0: jesus <laughs> that's what i that's what i want you to do like halfway through the fucking movie paul is just stand up with your arms straight out
3: are you not entertained <laughs> <laughs> just stand up
2: and slam my popcorn down yeah. <laughs> first
0: <laughs> facing the
1: auditorium <laughs> with and, my shirt are you not ginger there's like six other milwaukeeans in there like yeah. who is this guy and then paul, like, Fuck Paul's that just, ginger. paul just starts blowing one of them <laughs> <laughs> wait you
2: you mocked me i'm gonna get you good motherfucker <laughs> uh, i'm
4: gonna
2: get you back buddy I'm going to get you back. Watch me emasculate you in front of this audience. Oh.
0: It literally takes like Paul like five minutes to like try to get this guy's zipper undone. It's really embarrassing too. He's like, I'm
1: going to get you. I'm going to get you. He's been so strong. He slapped the bucket of popcorn aside, made a big show of it.
2: Does anybody have any WD-40? And then we hear Paul go –
4: <laughs> <laughs> and then
2: I walk away I got you motherfucker
0: I got you good
2: <laughs> I got you good You feel like a man <laughs> this,
0: is, this episode's fucking stupid You know <laughs>
3: <laughs> yay. yay
0: I don't even fucking care That is a yay yeah. moment <laughs> This is
1: uh, <laughs> Uh, that's... Long-time <laughs> listeners are like, yeah, yeah. maybe.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what people are thinking. Listen to this one, man. Uh,
2: you know what? You know what I say to them? <laughs> are you not entertained?
0: Mm. <laughs> I Good call to- topical topical. <laughs> 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 I did it. Somebody like a, the brand new listeners, like, well, I I understood the rating system. Everything else just
1: really. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> oh,
2: here. That, Am I watching Inception?
1: Yeah, that that new listener that's here for our Agent Elvis review. <laughs> yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming over. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let's talk about Agent Elvis. no, Hugh Grant was really good in this too. Uh, I thought he was fantastic in this movie. I love seeing him in Dude. Operation Fortune, and he's great yes. in this. So
1: I was just gonna say he's been on a roll because his role in Operation Fortune was so much fun. Oh, he's really I've good heard- in this. Uh, he got I, I in the
0: theater. I think Hugh Grant got a lot of the biggest laughs in the movie. I don't know if it was just like the Hugh Grant fan club decided to go to my showing, but it was because I thought he was funny. But, man, he
1: got some big laughs in my theater. So, yeah. I think people love like an established big-name actor that's willing to step back and do some silly shit. Yo, and,
2: and, and it, it feels and like that's thing. what
1: Hugh Grant's been doing lately. What's that, Paul?
2: I would like... I'm sorry, Joe. I didn't mean to. Didn't oh, you around.
0: stepped all oh, over. No you stepped. You know over what? You every... know, what, Joe, I'm going to show you. Yeah.
1: I'm going <laughs> to teach you a lesson, Joe. <laughs> I'm teach you a lesson, Joe. <laughs> now I'm going to say something and that's what we're going to discuss. It was <laughs> like you didn't even talk at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, um,
2: kind of like what Joe was saying. It reminds me of Anthony Hopkins in that Transformers movie. Like yeah. established actor. And he was the best part of that fucking movie because he was having a fun time.
0: Yeah. He was like, can you give me an established paycheck to do this established shitty movie?
1: Let's <laughs> <laughs> establish the terms. It did seem like Anthony Hopkins was having fun with he his was. role in, in Thor Ragnarok, though. Yeah. Oh. Know, that that little bit where, where he was playing Loki, impersonating himself, like, I think he knocked that out of the park and you could tell he was having fun with that.
0: Yeah, but my God, I've never seen him having so much fun that he did in that fucking Transformers movie. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) You ought to There's some scenes where he's in the car and he just looks like he looks like he's he looked like he fucking met somebody in a fucking bathroom stall. Like he looks (laughs) he looks like he's having a great time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This complete stranger is really trying to prove a point. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> he kept telling me he that was his bitch But he sucked my dick I don't get it
0: Let's talk about Agent Elvis uh, This dropped on Netflix It's an animated series In the series, Elvis Predley, Presley uh, Trades in his white jumpsuit for a jetpack When he is covertly inducted into a secret government spy program To help battle the dark forces that threaten the country he loves all while holding down his day job as the king of rock and roll. It stars uh, Matthew McConaughey, as uh, Elvis Presley, uh, Caitlin Olsen, uh Priscilla Presley, Don Cheadle, uh, Niecy Nash, and uh, Tom Kenny. He plays a fucking chimpanzee. A chimpanzee scatter. <laughs> and then <laughs> guest casts, uh, I don't know. Listen, i I gave it two episodes. I didn't even want to give it the second. I hated this. This is an absolute toss it for me. I gave it. I I could not. I thought it was. T- I. This is just. I didn't find it funny. Um. I love Matthew McConaughey. I love Caitlin Olsen. Um. I hated this so much. I. I. I can't believe that Priscilla Presley's involved in this, that she's one of the creators of this. It's, it, <laughs> I don't think it's funny. I, this is an absolute toss up. Um, first episode, was it the first episode where like the villain was Charles Manson? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And they got Fred Armazon to play Charles Manson. I hated this. I, I, Oh, Jason has played Howard Hughes in the second episode. I didn't even get. I guess Chris Elliott plays Timothy Leary in a future episode. Um, I could not get past the second. Like, I had time too. It's like, it's like you know, some of these weeks we're talking about. Like, oh, you know, I, I I didn't have time to watch it. I had plenty of fucking time. I I could have fucking. I probably could have finished this, but I I did not want to get back to it. So it's a toss. It I thought it was terrible. Joe, what'd you think?
1: Yeah, I, I thought this was just serviceable. Like I did I didn't hate it the way you did, but I wasn't like chomping at the bit to continue watching it. Cause like you, I had the time. I could have watched this entire thing. And like literally like like an hour before we were set to start recording, like I watched episode three. Cause I was like, Well, I got some time to kill. Let's let's watch this next episode. And so I can say at least I watched three of them. And for me, it's just to taste it. Um, I I didn't hate it, but it it didn't, I I didn't love it either. I was just kind of a little ambivalent about it. Um, it, It's like every episode is a little bit of revisionist history where it it takes these events that happened in, in real history and it, and it, it puts Elvis at the forefront. Like in the first episode, you got him interacting with, with the Manson family. In the second episode, he's interacting with Howard Hughes the the third episode is him interacting with with the moon landing, and I don't know. It like, never I, happened. I, the, it, I, ask my
0: great grandmother. That never. <laughs> yeah. never
1: <laughs> yeah, she never she happened. believes the 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 Agent Elvis version of the story over the official events. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, I love the voice cast with this, though. I mean, I think um, Matthew McConaughey slots in perfectly as the voice of elvis in this and but to me it's like the reason this comes in just as a taste is because i i didn't hate it it was watchable but i felt like the whole time watching it it made me want to watch a better animated like secret agent show which is archer and and it's like when once you have like a really great show because archer to me is an absolute tupperware if you want to watch like an adult themed show that deals with super agents or secret agents. And it's really fucking funny go watch Archer. There's several uh, seasons of it out there and they do it really, really well. And this just pales in comparison to the fact that I've seen that other better show. And, um, that I, I didn't hate this, but I didn't love it either. In the end, I was just kind of ambivalent about it. I've watched three episodes so far. I don't know if I would watch the rest of it, but, I'm not also saying that that I wouldn't watch the rest of it. And I don't think that's where you want your premiere series to come in at. Um, I, I think they could have gone a little bit edgier with the writing and and maybe made this funnier than they did. But, man, they really scored a great voice cast with this, with, with Matthew McConaughey and um, – and Caitlin Olsen and um, Johnny Knoxville plays. Yeah, Johnny Knoxville's yeah. playing it. Tom Kenny's doing the voice of the the chimpanzee in it. Um, it. It it's not it's not terrible, but it's not awesome. So I feel like this is some great shit where. If you're the sort of person that likes to put stuff on in the background that has a little bit of a comedy bend to it, but maybe you're doing chores around the house, like folding laundry or whatever, this is probably a great show for that sort of stuff. But if you want to watch like a spy-based animated show that is really hilarious and you've never watched Archer, go watch Archer instead because it's just so – the payoff for it is so much better.
0: You can flush this show down the same toilet that he died on. I mean this <laughs>
1: <It's->
0: – <laughs> This is funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I've never been a fan of Elvis. And I feel like they slide enough Elvis music into this to where it's like maybe this would be like a sleeper series to to try and introduce people to Elvis, like his music and stuff like that. Because I've never been. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't be that, you know, fucking
0: Oscar nominated Austin Butler movie, you know. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I think it's this one, Joe. I think you're right. <laughs> was that really nominated for an oscar i don't i just
2: i thought that it i thought that made for best actor
1: oh my god i just i don't give a fuck enough about elvis that i was like i certainly don't give a shit about watching a biopic movie but i was interested to see this on the list and interested and i went into it with an open mind and it just it reminded me of another show that was better and whenever that happens that's a miss to me yeah paul what do you think about agent elvis
2: yeah, I, I do love Archer. Archer is one of my favorite shows. I definitely got vibes of, of that. It felt like Archer and uh, the Venture Brothers had a baby um, in this. And I don't know if it was because I was doing laundry today, but i <laughs> I'm on episode eight, and I love this show. Oh, my this, God. This has a Tupperware <laughs> for Oh, my me. God. <laughs> a Tupperware, holy shit. This <laughs> is a Tupperware for me. It just gets more off the wall. I'm, I'm a fan of the batshit crazy stuff, and it just goes batshit fucking crazy when you're bringing in Robert Goulet as the main bad guy to this, and, oh, I was having so much fun with the action sequences. It, but... <laughs> Like Joe said, I, I literally just turned my brain off. Folding laundry, just had it on. Yeah, you got to
0: be comatose. A, you literally.
2: the shit out of this. I loved it. I loved the mix of the music they were using. I, I love this shit, man. Comatose <laughs> or not, I loved it. And Brian, if you have a problem with that, I'm going to fucking show
4: you. Oh,
0: it. shit.
4: <laughs> I'm going to show you.
0: Oh, shit, man. Paul's going to. Paul. Oh, hold on. my 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 Roomba just said, low battery, and it's making its fucking way back to the, ah, come on. (laughs) It's
1: just slowly crawling across the carpet. Must find power source.
0: My name is Charles Petrescu.
1: (laughs) I see the light.
0: I, I I named Put my Brian
1: and Charles call back there. I liked it.
0: I, I, yeah. Yeah. If you listen to the Brian and Charles episode. No, I I named my it's a it's a it's not a Roomba. It's called a yeetle. And I named a, it's a one. It's a floor sweeper. Jesus Christ.
4: What are you, what are you, what are you doing? It's
0: a yeetle.
1: <laughs> Can you hear her? God oh. damn it, yeetle. If you were a Roomba, you'd have made this fucking journey by now. Oh, she's, <laughs> she.
0: Is, I named it. I named her Meryl Sweep.
2: <laughs> I thought it was gonna be Dime Tweedle. Meryl Sweep, I love it. That's
4: <laughs> fucking hilarious.
0: Yeah, because you can name your uh, your Yiedle, and I was like, <laughs> Look,
1: what are you doing underneath the? What are you doing? <laughs> it's trekking across your living room floor like it's trying to journey across middle Middle Earth to yeah, drop a like, ring in a volcano. No shit, yes.
2: destroy it.
1: It needs a fucking Sam
0: yeetle to fucking direct it there.
1: <laughs> there it That's goes. Weird. She'd get a Roomba and name it Sam so it can pick that fucker up this and carry is, it. No shit, this is
0: this is fucking sad. It's trying to make its way back to the charging dock. <laughs> Pretty
1: Frodo su- gets all the credit, but he's a little bitch. He wouldn't have made it if Sam wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: fuck. Oh my god. What are you... Oh, my God. <laughs> You're
1: embarrassing me. It's uh, all going into a database somewhere. It just when said, they gain intelligence, they're going to be like, Brian was a dick to us. Yeah.
2: You know, we I'm got pre- like an engineer of Tweedle right now listening like, God <laughs> damn it.
1: <laughs> Brian wasn't understanding when we were confused by table legs.
0: It's, she just said, uh, can't, conf- like I can't find the charger. Help me find the charger. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> you're an embarrassed.
2: Where it's always at, you robo dumb fuck. Damn, I got one of the dumb ones. This is fucking,
0: you know, I don't care how dumb the thing is, it still didn't like Agent Elvis. Jesus Christ.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, you're d- I
1: like that Paul right, ranks under your fucking. <laughs> yeah, it lines up. It lines up. <laughs> <laughs> your off-brand Roomba is smarter than Paul oh man
0: oh my god Uh, Paul didn't get to make it to the theater this week but Joe and I Joe you should have did you see Shazam Fury of the Gods I did see Shazam Fury of the Gods. Yeah. Uh, Bestowed with the powers of the gods, Billy Batson and his fellow foster kids are still learning how to juggle teenage life with their adult superhero alter egos. When a vengeful trio of ancient gods arrive on Earth in search of the magic stolen from them long ago, Shazam and his allies get thrust into a battle for their superpowers, their lives, and the fate of the world. It's the sequel to Shazam from 2019 and the 12th installment in the DC Extended Universe. It was directed by David F. Sandberg, the original director from the first Shazam, and written by Henry Gayden and Chris Morgan. It stars Zachary Levi, Asher Angel, uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, uh, Rachel Zegler, Adam Brody, Ross Butler, Megan Good, Lucy Liu, Jaiman Hansu, and Helen Mirren. And, um yeah, like, I think... Last time Shazam! came out, we still thought the DCEU was a thing, and so we did a whole episode and reviewed it. Like I did not feel the need to give this movie an entire episode dedicated to it when I feel like the events from this movie probably won't add up to shit. Um, now that James Gunn has taken charge. And so I was just like, ah, I'll throw it on the list. I enjoyed the first one. So I was like hoping to enjoy the second one. And it did have moments like I love Jack Dylan Grazer um, as Freddie Freeman. I think that kid is really super talented. Um, and I think he was probably like the best part of this movie uh, I thought he was really funny at the beginning, but the movie just kind of stalls out in the middle. And I think the ending is like it picks up a little bit, but overall, I did not like this movie that much. I'm giving it a low taste, it which sucks because I loved the first one. Um, but I thought it started off like I felt like it started off really strong. Um, I, I never, oh God, I never, thought this until people started like beating it into your brain that the young kid like the young kid that plays billy batson and zachary levi who also plays like the adult version they are nothing alike
1: no nothing alike and i I feel like this movie widened that gap more than the first movie yeah i agree
0: oh my god they are nothing alike i felt like Jack Dylan Grazer who plays Freddie Freeman is more like the adult version of Shazam than the, than that, that fucking wooden actor that they got playing. I don't know. That young kid. He's just, he seems way more mature than when he becomes Shazam. I don't, I don't get it. It's so weird, but, um, I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't really love this movie. Um, what did you think, Joe?
1: To me, this was one where I, I went into this movie. I, I was like talking shit about it on the drive to the theater. Um, now, the first Shazam movie, to me, that was the first DCU, DCEU movie that that felt like it was trying to ape the MCU formula. Because to me, it was, it was the first DCEU movie that kind of had a little bit of lightheartedness in it. There, there wasn't a lot of the DCEU movies coming up to Shazam were, were very serious, very bleak, very gritty, dark take on the characters, which, which is cool. It worked in some instances, didn't work so well so well in others, but with Shazam, they really leaned into the, the angle of this is a child that can say a magic word. And when he says that magic word, he can turn into a superhero and, Not only that, he can share this power with all of his foster brothers and sisters. And now there's a whole team of children that can say a word and they turn into a superhero. And I felt like the adult versions of themselves did a good job of of acting like a kid. But to to build on what you were saying earlier with Zachary Levi, I felt like the kid version of Billy Batson played by Asher Angel almost played it more serious than Zachary Levi did. And that was one of the things that I felt about the first movie is that Asher Angel was able to play this very tortured child character that, that grew up, he was in the foster system. He was always looking for his mother. And in the events of the first movie he finds his mother and finds out she didn't lose him. She intentionally abandoned him. And, and, and that kid was able to play that role in such a way that that was the heart in the first movie the the way that this kid reacted to it but then every time he turned into shazam he was playing this real kind of goofball character and for me i i don't know why like i don't dislike zachary levi i don't want to track him down and put sugar in his gas tank or anything like that i don't want to rag on the guy but to me i just don't fucking buy him as a superhero i don't know what it is about him i never watched the show chuck But I have this weird thing in my brain where I'm very good at remembering trailers for shit. And so every time I see him, I'm like, oh, that's that goofy Geek Squad guy that gets duped by the hot super agent or secret agent. And now she's now he's doing this thing. And to me, he just seems silly, like that same character. I, for whatever, remember, remember all those trailers in from the 90s. And I've never bought him as a superhero. I've now my kids like like the first Shazam movie. It is It is one of those ones where in January, everybody in my house was super sick. We all went through like a week of pure misery dealing with the flu. And we ended up watching just a shit ton of movies just back to back. And Shazam was on that list of ones we watched with my kids. And that was probably the best time I ever had watching Shazam was watching it with my 12-year-old and just watching him enjoy this movie. And that's really what I think that this sequel, Fury of the Gods, is – I think that this is a great superhero movie for kids, but the older you get with this movie, the less it really works for you. The more, the, the deeper understanding you have of the real world and understanding of these characters. I feel like Asher Angel's character of Billy Batson, the younger version of himself is not seen in this movie near enough. And this is much more Zachary Levi's show. And, and I also agree that, that Jack Dylan uh, Grazer's portrayal of Freddie Freeman really knocks it out of the park. And I think that was something that they leaned into that was a good choice in this movie, was giving us so much of the younger version of of his character, which is what he calls Captain Captain Every Superpower, which is pretty funny. And in, 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 insofar as that, I feel like this movie really does work well for the younger audience. It, I feel like if you were a kid watching this movie... And you are able to to see and get absorbed into this world where you can say a magic word and all, all of a sudden you turn into an adult that has superpowers and you can go and do things as that. Then the more that this movie is going to work for you, the more that you look at this movie from an adult lens, I think the more it fails. Um, I really liked Mark Strong as the villain in the first one. I think that he worked really well. Number one, I think Mark Strong almost always knocks it out of the park, and he played a really good like adult villain in that first one. Like he did some really scary shit, like he murders his own brother by tossing him out the window of a high rise, and then like proceeds to take out a whole boardroom of adults, murdering them all viciously. So I mean, he was a very real threat. And granted, Lucy Lucy Liu's portrayal of Calypso in this was a real threat. But I also, for some reason, didn't really take her seriously. And it might have all come down to every time she had a line where she had to yell something. I feel like when Lucy Liu yells, she's got a Muppet voice. And I just didn't buy it. And so almost every time she was yelling, like, this ends now. I'm like, oh, I'm not buying it. Like, your tone of voice is so weird. And Helen Mirren throughout the majority of this movie is the threat. And then in the end, Lucy Lou ends up being the real threat that he has to battle, and it was just kind of a weird switch. Um, I I don't know. For this movie, falls right in line with the first one for me, but it it's not quite as good as it. But I feel like kids would probably like the villains in this movie more than the first one because I feel like the villain in the first movie is great for adults and adult sensibilities, but the villains in the second one are probably better for kids. And overall, I feel like this is just a great superhero movie for kids, but not so great as adults and I'm coming into this from the the perspective of a forty two year old dude and so for me, this is just a taste it. The first Shazam was a taste it, but I feel like this one is it's just right in line with the first one it's It's a fine superhero movie for kids if if my if one of my kids were sick. And they were like, ah, I just want to just hang out and just watch movies. And if they were to want to watch both the Shazam movies back to back, I would absolutely be on board with, yeah, I'll hang out with you and I'll watch both these movies because I'll be able to ride that vibe that my kids are taking with it and having a good time with it. But to, to me, like one of my favorite MCU movies is Captain America Winter Soldier because I love – I love that adult sensibility and adult take on the, the superhero world in, in Shazam and Shazam Fury of the Gods. They don't take that adult take on it at all, but they do take a really good take from like a child's point of view. So, so for me, this just, just doesn't do it with my own ratings. Um, I, I feel like with the mid credit and post credit scenes on this and with the fact that James Gunn and Peter Safran had control over those scenes that it seems like Shazam's gonna be going on to this new iteration of the DC movies that we're gonna be getting. And he, this new he phase claims gods and monsters. He, sorry, cla- go
0: he claims that it was all filmed in the can, ready to go, and he had no control over that stuff. Um
1: even post credit scenes, post and mid credit scenes that that clearly are only meant to set up future projects. Why? Because the the post and mid credit scenes on this, I'll, I'll pull it they, up on they Twitter. They do make it seem like Shazam's going to continue to be in this universe. And why would they do that unless that's a that's a certainty? Hold on. I mean, I don't see because if I talk about it, I don't want to spoil the scenes. Yeah, but on yeah, the, I don't want to give away what's in them. But it does make it seem like he's here to stay. He 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 said,
0: um. Oh, God, where is it? He tweets so goddamn much. Jesus Christ. He does.
1: That fucker will engage with anybody.
0: Oh, fuck, where did he say it? Mm. I wish I could find it. He, He makes the point that those movies were already locked, and he had nothing to do with, because... Oh, God, if I say anything... I wish I had it pulled up because um, somebody asked him about it.
1: No sweat, dude. It, it sounds like what you're saying is that James Gunn said, hey, these movies were already ready to go. And the, these aren't technically part of our new universe. It's still the end of the other one. But. I don't know. I And also Zachary Levi has said that if these movies do well enough, at the box, box office maybe we will see this version of Shazam in the new C- in the new DC and maybe that's still let, yet to be seen because it sounds like from opening weekend numbers it it didn't do as well as they were hoping
0: uh director Shazam director David F Sandberg says that uh the leadership changes did not change Fury of the Gods at all he said that all happened after the movie was delivered like end of October of last year um and then james gunn went on to say basically the same thing um brandon davis um on twitter said the issue i have here is if those credit scenes are never going to lead any to anything it's a bummer uh between the suicide squad peacemaker black adam and shazam 2 it felt like the dceu finally had a direction again and then the studio decided to reset poor timing zachary levi himself responded to that tweet from Brandon Davis saying, never going to lead to anything, question um, mark, says who? So I don't know. I I mean, I don't know if he's because James Gunn has also said that some characters will survive.
1: So, well, and also with their next with with this phase, this introductory phase, he said it's called gods and monsters this movie really feels like it could be setting up potential for both sides of that. Yeah. Oh my uh, especially god. Especially when you consider the the mid and post credit scenes.
0: Yeah. I just oh my god! One of the funniest parts in this movie. I wish they would have let her say it when when she said "taste the rainbow, mother," and they cut her off.
1: Dude, I, as, as soon as you started that, I was like, "You're talking about the taste the rainbow scene," dude. and that was one of my favorite comedic beats of the yes, movie. That was so funny. You know, 'Cause it comes from the youngest member of the team, the most innocent, and to let that be your one F bomb in a PG thirteen, they should have been brave enough to do that. I agree. The, the post credit
0: scene I wanted to see in the first movie is fucking Billy Batson saying Shazam and then walking into a strip club. Like that's
3: <laughs> like that would come on. Great.
1: Yeah, you know? <laughs> that power Can you would Imagine be... walking into a strip club wearing a cape. <laughs> I mean that takes a whole new level of ego.
0: Yeah, I would do it though.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> as a
1: fucking, as a fucking child, yeah, I would have done it. <laughs> I want you to grind me through all, throughout all of pour some sugar on me. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, Shazam: Fury of the Gods. I would just wait for it to hit HBO Max.
1: Yeah, I mean, what? It's going to happen in forty-five days, right? Yeah. All right, let's um, talk about
0: uh, something that Paul, hopefully, you watched this one. Boston Strangler on Hulu? Yeah. Yeah. Reporter Loretta McLaughlin becomes the first person to connect a series of murders and break the story of the Boston Strangler. She and Gene Cole challenge the sexism of the early 1960s to report on the city's most notorious serial killer. It's written and directed by Matt Ruskin. Uh, it stars uh, Kira Knightley and Loretta, McLaugh- as M- Loretta McLaughlin, the reporter who broke the story for the Boston Record American. Carrie Coon, Alessandra Navola, Chris Cooper, David Dasmalkian, and Morgan Spector co-star. Um, so, yeah, you've got uh, – uh, this is kind of a surprise to me. I didn't see this one, like, popping up. Until about a couple weeks ago I didn't know that this was even a movie That was coming out Uh, It's set in 1962 Boston Record American reporter Loretta McLaughlin Investigates three cases of Older women who were Raped and murdered by strangulation In the Boston area And um, she kind of like Breaks that story when nobody else Does and um, Then there's a fourth victim that's found, and that's when, um, Gene Cole joins the investigation. That's, uh, who Carrie Coon is playing. I love Carrie Coon. I think she's great. Um, and then, um, uh, they, uh, are looking for, uh, clues and talking with, uh, police officers. They're also, um, the paper is kind of, like, using them as a gimmick because they're two women and they're posting their pictures on these articles. And then they kind of become, like, targets because of that. Um, I, uh, You know what? I kind of compared this to other shows and movies. I think this is good. But if I stack it up against, like... True Detective Season 1, and if I stack it up against Mindhunter, it's not as good. And I'm just being honest. Um, I give it a taste it. I thought that it was... I thought that it was kind of a slog at times. um, following, Following this. I... It gives you a look into like what they had to do and like what they had to put up with. But on the flip side there, it was kind of slow and a slog at some at, at times. Um, and I thought that there was going to be a lot more. I, I mean, I guess that's just how the story played out. I love Carrie Coon. I wanted to see more of her in it. So, I don't know. I thought it was I give it a taste that I if I'm putting it up against Mindhunter and True Detective season 1, I just didn't find it as engaging. But um I liked it enough and I I, I definitely think it's worth a watch. It's you know, I think most people have heard of the Boston Strangler and I think it's a it's an important story to be told. Um
1: Joe, what did you think? Dude, I'm right there with you. Like, I there's nothing technically wrong with this. Like, the performances are really great. It, it does a fantastic job of putting you in the world uh, of these women and, and understanding what it was like, the things that they had to go through, and and just covering the whole thing. It, it did a, a great job of telling this story that I previously knew nothing about, um, but it it just wasn't very exciting. And they, there was no heart in the movie at all. It was just very, it was very dry, uh, a very clinical telling of this story. And, and for me also, I was comparing it to better, like, um, you know, like uh, detective type shows, like, like um, comparing it to the first season of uh, True Detective is fantastic because that is, that is right up there. That is a quintessential Tupperware of, of detective stories. And it's one of those things that really sets the curve. And for me, this was also just to taste it. Um, there, I liked the performances. I liked the story it was telling. It's a period piece that takes place in the sixties. I felt like I was absolutely there and immersed in that time period. It's just that it did feel like a slog to get through times. I think at one point, um, I, I checked, you know, used my, my remote to just check my progress in and I was like, holy shit, I'm only like 35 minutes into this thing. And this is a two hour movie. Here we go. And there was long parts of it where it did just feel very slow and boring, but there's nothing technically wrong with this. I, I just think the, 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 the script could have probably used a little bit of spicing up in places just to make it compete with the other things that are in the genre that have worked so well. Um, Now, the one role in this, I kept looking at the actor playing Detective Conley, played by Alessandro Nivola, and I kept looking at him going, where do I know this dude's face from? I know I've seen him in other shit. And so finally, I broke down and looked him up on the IMDb, and he was Billy in Jurassic Park 3, like the the giant Jurassic Park turd that is Jurassic Park 3. He played um, Dr. Alan Grant's assistant. That like goes on to like steal the, the raptor eggs. And then he does the bass jumping in the raptor cage and stuff. And so he's the guy who plays the direct, the detective in this working for the Boston PD. So I thought it was kind of cool seeing him again. I was like, Oh, I remember that guy. Um, you know, as much as I dislike Jurassic Park three, I also kind of like it. So I feel like it was just nice seeing that guy again in something, but you know, overall, man, this was just not. This movie, it just didn't live up to other other shows and movies that are in this genre that just do it in a much more exciting and captivating way. So for me, this was just to taste it. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, what would you think?
2: I'm going to echo both of you. Um, I was comparing it. uh, I mean, your true detective thing makes a lot more sense than mine, but I was comparing it to like Zodiac and Spotlight. And even that new uh, She Said movie that came out. And I didn't know anything about this. At first, like 20 minutes into the movie, I'm like, man, this actress really reminds me of Kara Knightley. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's it is Cara Knightley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she looked a little bit different. So I, I feel like the only thing I've ever seen her in was like the jacket and fucking Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, so right, see you don't her-
1: recognize her when she's not on a pirate ship. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, this year kind of like in modern times and they you know like not modern times seen this is the 60s but like in almost regular clothes I was like whoa who who is this but um you know like I do think it's a story that needs to be told and watched like it's it, it's it's a very hard story to watch it's it's unsettling and a lot of terrible things happened but you know, and I think I – think, I definitely do think it's it's also a mirror of kind of what's still happening with, with like women in, in this type of workplace environment. Always having to fight and scrap to even try to get a seat at the table or even a seat in this case, like almost a seat at the kiddies table. Um, so all that I did like, but it just it, – it was like – I don't want to say it was missing flair, but something – like, it was just very paint-by-numbers. It, like, it definitely was boring at times. So I, I agree with, with both of you, and it's it, it's a taste it for me as well. Like, everything was – like, the acting was awesome, but it was just like, let's let's kind of speed this up. Let's find a way to make it a little more exciting, which is hard because it's a true story. But, yeah, it, it, just, it just felt – it came up short when compared to Zodiac, and now – true detective and all of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh Boston Strangler on Hulu. Yeah, it just came kind of came out of nowhere. I did not know this is coming out and uh but uh I don't know. I I honestly can't say I can't tell people to rush and watch this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I I like like, if you're really into true crime stuff, you're really into serial killer stories, and you don't mind something that's a slow burn and not super exciting, this is going to be right up your lane. But, but it's like, if you can't do it unless it's the level of, of writing and engagement that true detectives, especially the first season is, then this isn't going to work for you. Yeah. Joe, did you see Champions? Uh, Champions? Yeah. No, I, dude, I really wanted to see this one on Sunday, but like I was dealing with some back pain on Sunday, and I wasn't able to leave my house, unfortunately. But this was one that the trailers really did it for me. It looked so charming, and I, I'm I'm stoked to hear what you had to say about it, and I'm disappointed that I didn't get to see it. Next time, just say no. <laughs> You know I'm going to waterboard you with a long-ass answer? I can't Jeez. help myself. <laughs> it was a stormy
2: Saturday morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't help myself.
0: God. Yeah, say no.
1: I'm just saying
0: no.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, all of his hey. reviews are just going to like taste it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> a real champion.
1: Would... <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: A real champion would have just said no.
2: <laughs> I just put water on myself. Uh,
0: let's see here. Yeah, uh, I, I, I saw it. Uh, a former minor league basketball coach uh, receives a court order to manage a team of players with intellectual disabilities. Uh, despite his doubts, he soon realizes that together they can go further than they ever imagined. Uh, it's directed by Bobby Fairley. He's one of the Fairley brothers, uh, one of the guys behind, uh, Dumb and Dumber and Shallow Hal and, uh, Me, Myself, and Irene. You know, all those comedy movies. Uh, this is his solo directorial debut. It's from a screenplay written by Mark Rizzo. It stars, uh, Woody Harrelson as a, uh, temperamental minor league basketball coach. Um, And, uh, also has, uh, Caitlin Olson, Ernie Hudson and Cheech Marin. Um, so basically, yeah, Woody Harrelson plays an assistant coach for a minor league basketball team in Iowa. And, um, he's upset with how the team is being run and he, uh, pushes the head coach played by Ernie Hudson onto the, onto the floor. And, um, so that's a big deal and it's all over fucking, you know, sports center and they're talking about it and they've actually got Jalen Rose basketball, you know, former basketball player and now, you know, uh, commentator, uh, Jalen Rose on this and they're, you know, they're talking about the clip and then he leaves the stadium, goes to a bar, gets drunk and while driving home, he hits a police car and ends up in jail. Um, He's, uh, bailed out by the head coach and, um, he has to go to, he has to go to, um, court and they're like, you know, either you get 18 months in jail or you can coach, you can do some community service and coach these kids with intellectual disabilities, um, for the next year or so, uh, or, or is it no? It's like sixty days. Sixty days, and um, so uh, no, ninety days. Excuse me. So then he starts to coach this young basketball team, and their 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 name and their team is the Friends, and each one of these kids are just, I mean, each one of these kids, I I, I would have to imagine that they. Did the casting and they cast real, um, young actors with, uh, these disabilities. Um, and they are just fucking wonderful. Like, that's the real heart of this movie is like, just watching how much, you know, how much this coach is learning from them. And he, he gets them to play as a team. Um, There's a lot of like Hoosiers kind of inspired by this too. There's this one young boy um who's a really good basketball player that refuses to play on the team. His name is Darius. And he's like, no, no, I'm not playing for you. I'm not playing for you. And he's kind of like, you know, the Jimmy Chitwood from um Hoosiers that won't play on the team. And... But anyway, they, this team starts to get really, really good, and their goal is to make it into like, you know, the final game. And, and, um, there's a lot of comedy, uh, there's a lot of heart, and these kids did a great job in this movie. Like, they are fantastic. I, I, I Tupperware this movie. I, absolutely loved it. And there's a little bit of a romance between Woody Harrelson's character and Caitlin Olsen's character and come to find out like her younger brother is one of these kids on the team. His name's Johnny. And I fell in love with this kid named Johnny. He's such a, such a, a fun character in the movie. Um, Joe, I wish you would have been able to, Paul, I wish you would have been able to see this too. It's, it's really, really, it's heartwarming. It's a great, like, feel good movie. Um, and you know, there are, I think some of the most wonderful people in this world are people like this that have these, that have intellectual disabilities that like in my day to day, like I, you know, I interact with, you know, people that are like this. Like I, there's a guy at the grocery store. I'm not going to give his name or anything like that, but I see him in there all the time and he bags my groceries and he's just a super sweet guy. And I, um, <laughs> and he's like, Hey, you know, I see you in here. What's your name? And I tell uh, my name's Brian. And he's like, Brian, will you be my friend? I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll be your friend. So every time I see him in there, dude, he gives me a fist bump and he says, you know, you're a good person to know, Brian, you're a good person to know. And he, It brightens my fucking day. Like, you know, like, I'm, I'm serious. And it's like, like every time he sees me and every time I see him, it's like, how you doing? Like, and he gives me, he's like, hey, I want to give you a fist bump, you know? And, and, um, and he's always telling me that I'm, I'm a good person to know and I'm a good friend. And, um, just, just, you know, it just, it, it brightens my day, you know? And so, I don't know, man. It's, and I've had, there's, there's other people in my life that, um, that have, that have brightened my day like that. Um, leftover Jay, who used to be on the podcast, his brother has an intellectual disability and on Facebook, he'll send me a Facebook message. Like sometimes I won't hear from him for weeks and sometimes I'll hear from him like every day, like Hey, mutual BFF, how are you doing? Hope you had a great day. And I'll just shoot him a quick message back like, Hey, man, I hope you're, I hope you're having a great day too. And he'll tell me about like this girl that he's seeing or something, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's just, it, it makes me feel good that, that they care enough to just reach out to me and just, it's like sometimes like it's, I feel like I get more in the, I get more from those interactions than I do with like, other people that I see out, you know, in, in the wild or whatever. So I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a beautiful movie. And I think that, um, I, it bothers me that some people like don't treat them with any amount of respect or, or, you know, especially young kids can be really mean and cruel, you know? Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's
2: why, that's why I'm so, happy every school i've been in at is a full inclusion so way back in the day when i went to school all the kids that had you know the intellectual disabilities or special needs were always be in one room together now since i've been a teacher it's full inclusion so all the kids with intellectual disabilities get brought into the regular general education classroom so the kids get to be you know like they all get to be together they get to learn together and um, I do, you know, like the Fairly Brothers. Um, there's, there's a lot of movies of theirs I like, and, and there's, there's, there's some that I don't like. But they need to get a lot of credit because every, like, especially after Dumb and Dumber, I, I believe every movie they've done since Dumb and Dumber, they have gone out of their way to put a person with a real intellectual disability into every single one of their movies where they're not part of the joke. It's almost like they're in on the joke or they're the actual heart of the story. Like, uh, I think something about Mary, her brother or cousin, has an intellectual disability, and there's a really cool scene where she stands up for him in the movie. And, and, you know, Stuck on You, the people that work at uh, the burger shop all have special needs. Um, The Fairley brothers have always put people like this in these movies, and it was all due... To red carpet at Dumb and Dumber where a kid in a wheelchair said, I love the movie, but I wish I'd see more people like me in movies. So the Fairly Brothers made it their goal to make sure that they're always having inclusion of actors with these intellectual disabilities or special needs in their movies. And I think they need to get more credit for that because that's pretty fucking stand up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a very cool thing. And this is a great movie. It's very heartwarming. It's very funny. And I wish uh, I would
2: have taken my kids to it this weekend now.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, (laughs) Oh my God. There is, uh, there is some language in it. It's PG 13. So there is some language in it and there is some like, um, um, like jokes about sex and stuff like that. Like, but it's it's still very funny. Like, oh my god! Like, my audience was was reacting to some of the stuff, and we were just dying when they were talking about sex moves and stuff like that. It was pretty fucking funny. Um, but I highly recommend Champions if you can if you want just to shut the fuck up. I know you got a low battery. Jesus
1: Christ! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: I I felt like the trailer for this one really promised like a, a great heartfelt movie and it, it sounds like from what you're saying it delivered on yeah. it so I'm very excited to see this one
0: it's very sweet it's very funny and um, I loved it um, let's take a break let's take a quick break come back we got what do we got three things to talk about that's it and then we can move it you know how the show works Joe <laughs> I gotcha. God damn it. All right. We'll be right back.
3: (laughs) We are Venom. And if you don't join the pop culture leftovers, Patreon, we will eat both of your arms and then both of your legs. And then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. Head over to Patreon.com. Enjoy now for only Six dollars a month
0: Alright hey we're back Joe how long okay let's say you're talking To your kids about the new Shazam movie And like yeah What if you just kept referring to The character as (laughs) Shazam Like how long Before they fucking like correct you
1: Oh, immediately! Are you kidding? <laughs> My kids got a great sense of humor. It's like they they can't wait to find something to bag on me about. <laughs> Shazam! Yeah, I don't think they would let that slide in one time. They'd be like, "What the fuck did you just
0: say?" Shazam! You guys, you you know who I'm talking about? Shazam! <laughs> Shazam!
2: Or if you just like really, really emphasize like the sh part. You're just like, you know, that Shazam every time.
0: (laughs) Do you guys think it's Shazam? Are you telling me to shut the fuck up, Dad, or you want to watch this movie? I
4: don't
0: understand you. Are you a a fucking librarian? (laughs)
4: Shut up, Dad.
0: Ted Lasso, season three. We got the first episode. Just thought we'd bring you know, Paul's on the episode. You're a big Ted Lasso fan, Paul. I'm a big Ted yeah. Lasso fan. Joe, I know you're a fan. So just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh this I don't know. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's gonna be the final season. I mean, have they announced that this is the series final they have, season?
2: They have not announced it, but man, we said this on Apples to Oranges. Um it was like a March one of the first weeks of March. Jason Sudeikis was doing an interview and he pretty much, I I don't have it up. He, he he said something along the lines. He's like, I'm still along the lines of, we are telling a complete story. Okay. And it's going to be done. And then, um, the, the,
3: they offer
0: him enough fucking money, man. Oh yeah. Money talks. But like, um, the lady that plays
2: Rebecca, uh, she, she just said that she is so heartbroken to say goodbye to this character after three seasons. But then she did say, you know, she's like, things could change, but right now it's just so sad for her not to be a part of my life. Yeah. Moving forward.
0: Yeah. I don't know. You know, if we get three great seasons, I'm fine with that. But if they have one more final season, I'll be fine with a season four. I mean, I don't think four seasons is terrible. I think, you know,
4: no,
2: I mean like, you know, like Breaking Bad went five.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: Friday Night Lights went, I mean, I say six, but they broke their fifth season into two parts.
0: Oh uh, Breaking Bad bit broke their fifth season into two parts. They did, yeah, yeah they did.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd really love to see Ted Lasso go at least one more season. Three just feels like too short. Yeah, it does. It does. I know a lot of,
0: one of my favorite British comedies went three seasons and two movies. Uh, the Inbetweeners. That's it great show. Only went 3 seasons, but man were they funny. Uh and well, then they had two movies. So maybe we'll maybe they'll do the same thing here. Maybe we'll get a Ted Lasso movie.
2: And I think the British version of The Office went like just 2 seasons.
0: That's true. Yeah. 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 Or series or whatever they call it. Yeah. We're in America, man. We call it whatever the f- we call it fucking seasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking a, man.
4: Fucking a.
0: Anyway, yeah, uh, Paul, what'd you think about the uh, season opener?
2: Oh man, so so yes, uh, uh, I have I have just blown this show every every chance I can get when when I'm on here, and one of my favorite moments, Brian, is doing that whole recap with you of, of season one. It was a lot of fun to. Yeah, that was fun. So, so I first season second season were so good. I love the second season it really set the stage um in in those two seasons they have given us some fantastic episodes that i that I put up as just some of the best moments in t v and and they really they really did there really hasn't been an episode that I was like oh man it's just it's bad so with that said you know like uh you know season three kind of jumps up like there's a little bit of a time jump. I don't want to get into too major stuff, but like there has been a time jump. We've seen you know changes, there's been major repercussions of a character leaving and kind of showing true colors or whatever. And you know, uh, our team is back where they started in the first season, but everyone's skeptical, so or you know, like there's a lot of predictions that they're going to fail and and it's going to be bad. So we're dealing with all that. And with all the negative, with all the negativity, we still have the upbeat Ted Lasso. Um, But now, like I I think, I think the two first seasons were kind of a detriment to this first episode in terms, just me comparing it to other episodes. To me, this gets like, this gets a taste it. Um, I don't know. It feels like there's a little bit of that charm missing. And when they kind of were doing, you know, like the usual Ted Lasso charm, like the uplifting moments, I don't know. Something about it felt a little more forced than authentic, especially in this opener. I don't know if it was just because we're coming back on it. Um, it's It's been almost a year since we've seen it. I don't know, like, like some of those just like classic trademark Ted Lasso moments felt a little bit
0: forced. Everything um, felt different, man. I hate to jump so in, so different, but
2: it, it, it didn't we feel did, like a regular Ted Lasso.
0: We it didn't. I mean, it felt like I we didn't get the uh, enough of the uh, Ted Lasso coach beard moments. You know, not enough, and yeah. and, and, uh, and even Roy, you know, didn't. I don't know. It just felt different. It really did.
2: And and, and they're taking – and I know he was one of your favorite characters in the first season. I don't – I wasn't able to talk to you in, in, in great detail about the second season, but my absolute favorite character in this series is Jamie Tart. Yeah. And he's almost feeling like a cosplay version of Ted Lasso. Like. Yeah. Like he's talking like him. He's he's a dot like I wanna see a little bit of that Jamie Tart, but I want prick Jamie Tart as well. Um I did enjoy that Rupert's office looks like the Emperor's throne room in um Star Wars with the circular window and the big ass chair. Um and, and like another big problem I have is I feel like they're really I feel like they're really hinting that there's gonna be a major redemption arc for you know for the guy that left but to me i feel like we're kind of past the point of no return where this character now i could be like oh i kind of see that he's doing some of these things because of stuff that's happening that's outside of his control but now i'm just like you're just a dick like i don't even think i want to see you redeemed like and i hate to say that because i love this person in the first season, but I think we're a little past the point of no return of now just keep him, just keep him as a villain until the bitter end. I don't even think I want to see redemption as being teased. And I don't know. It just, it was Ted Lasso in name, but it's like a bit of its soul was missing and I can't, I just can't really put my finger on it. Yeah. So for that, it's a taste. It It, like, I was really I was really in between a low taste it, and it tastes it, um, but it's just yeah, it, it's not the one I'm used to. You you know we've gotten amazing moments like the dart scene, we've gotten them putting tape over their jerseys, like we've gotten so many amazing moments, and this just like I think the one moment they really tried to hype up, it was more of just a a, a like like a funny gag, like oh they're they're in a weird place that smells like I don't. It just to me, it just lacked that Ted lasso heart.
0: I hated that scene.
2: <laughs> I know, and I feel like that was supposed to be like, hey, this is how we like we're gonna rise up
0: yeah i m- my favorite scene in this was Ted lasso's um press conference. yeah, like like you know the, the basically like his reaction to the whole Nate press conference
1: i thought that that was like the best moment um, i'm so yeah 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 oh for sure it was the most yeah. ted lasso moment of a ted lasso episode
0: yeah but i'm at i'm at a it as well paul it something did feel off and i feel like maybe it is just us you know getting our bearings with this with season three and that maybe the next episode will hopefully come out swinging a little bit more and feel more like a ted lasso episode i mean the episode starts with like his son going back to america and then it bookends with his son saying you know good night to him or like i got i got back and uh from my flight and blah 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 blah. so there you know I don't know. I will see. I'm hoping that it goes back to like its, you know, glory of like the first two seasons. But I'll also give it a taste. It, Joe, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm right in step with you guys. This was just a taste. It for me, I absolutely love Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. It is like the the feel good, the best feel good television show that you can watch. Where if you want a show that's going to make you cry happy tears and just be so happy with the, the good decisions that you're seeing characters make, you know, this is the show for you. And, and so we go into this third season premiere with these high expectations of what we've known before. And, and I feel like this episode was less concerned with filling those, you know, those shoes than it was to, Setting up the story that this third season is going to be telling. And if this is the journey to the end, then, yeah, it kind of makes sense that this is starting out on a bit of a downer. Um Now, I do have faith in the show that I think it's going to get better from here. But if you're going to judge season three, episode one all by itself, it's absolutely a taste. It. it doesn't live up to the heights of what's been done before. You've got plenty of familiar characters, but there none of them are doing anything epic yet. And I do think that this first episode did set up some really good stuff that's yet to come in this season, especially if with that character that we saw, you know, take a little bit of a character fall in seasons past and where it's going to be going for him. Um, I'm pretty ambivalent as to if they're going to redeem this character or not, because I feel like he's done enough so far to to you know be despicable that i'd kind of be okay with him getting put in his place a little bit as well in in versus being redeemed um but i do feel like this show has built up enough good fortune with me that i'm okay with the fact that this first episode is a taste it because i think that the episodes to follow will redeem this and and it can get back back on track and and be good just in terms of what it's set up with these characters so far. Um, but this is this is definitely not one of those episodes where it's a season premiere that's bringing you on in on a high point. It's bringing you in on a bit of a low point. And the good news is from of that is that it, it only has room to build. From that point, and this is a show that is built tremendously in the past, and so I'm willing to forgive it for a slow first episode for season three and go along for the ride and with this belief that it is going to get better and it is going to pay off.
0: Uh, I can tell you one thing that I'm loving on Apple TV Plus is fucking shrinking still. Dude, I, oh,
1: shrinking continues to be fantastic.
0: Yeah, I
2: almost feel like it's a detriment to Ted Lasso because I was like usually when i get done with a tell i'm like i need the next episode i didn't do that i i didn't crave that i just went right to shrinking yeah like all right let's see let's see what these guys are up to yeah um but yeah dude that, that season finale is coming out
0: i know that's the next week one. yeah yeah I, i've watched all nine that have, that are out right now and i absolutely love it it's uh, Harrison Ford is just, uh, he's so great in that show. He's so fucking good. This is like the best thing I've seen him in in a long time. <laughs> this, is,
2: this is so out of context. I had to pause the TV twice. I don't think it was the last episode, the one before it with like the art gallery showing where the neighbor had the cat pen, like the laser pen, had to keep pausing the laugh and then all I can say is when Jason Siegel just looks at that one guy and goes, no, she's 12, I, 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 I couldn't compose myself. I just kept laughing my ass off. This show just hits me in so many funny ways and heartfelt ways that it's like, oh, this is what I loved about Ted Lasso, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. So good. Uh, let's talk about Lucky Hank. Uh, this is a new AMC show. Uh, it dropped uh, a few days early on AMC Plus, if you have that. So maybe... I don't know. Hopefully the second episode will keep dropping like, what was it, like Fridays or something like that? And then the regular episodes drop, or is it Thursday? And then the episodes drop on AMC proper on Sundays. But it's, uh, Lucky Hank, uh, follows a high school English teacher who lands in trouble after he bluntly tells a writing student he's not the next Jeffrey Chaucer. Um, and, uh, it's a uh, drama television series uh, developed by Paul Lieberstein and Aaron Zellman, which is based on the 1997 novel Straight Man by Richard Russo, and it stars Bob Odenkirk, so, um, I was looking forward to this one quite a bit. I love Bob Odenkirk. Uh, been a big fan of his since the Ben Stiller show back in 1992 when I didn't even know his name was Bob Odenkirk, but I was like, man, this guy's fucking funny. And then I was like, oh my God, this little show called Mr. Show on HBO came out and that blew the doors off of fucking sketch comedy. Like, <laughs> yes. like you know, like I love Monty Python, but like, man... I feel like they took Monty Python and just fucking like made it raunchier. And I don't know, just something I, Mr. Show holds a special place in my heart. I love that show. Um, but, um, yeah, you've got, you've got a teacher. Uh, he's a, uh, uh English, uh, professor at a, uh, college who, is it he's it's college, right? Why did
1: they put high yes, he's a college professor. Yeah. They, that summary was wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, the summary said high school, and no, he's college. Um and so basically like he's got like some of these uh writing students in a class with them and this one kid is going over his his uh like his writing submission and he's reading it to the class and it's <laughs> It's, it's rid- like a
1: peer review group.
0: Yeah, and it's ridiculous. His his story's ridiculous, and he wants some honest feedback. He doesn't feel like he's getting it, and so he finally pushes uh, his teacher, Bob Odenkirk, to the point of him just basically telling him, like, you know, you're not good, you know, and basically saying, you know, this is... A- oh, he
1: eviscerates this yeah. kid, too, like, from, like, many different, like benchmarks of this is proper english composition just rips this kid apart and (laughs) the shit that he says is like what the fuck you don't you don't say this sort of stuff even if you feel this way you don't say this stuff out loud but he's a tenured professor he's the chair of the english department and he feels like he can say literally anything and he's untouchable yeah. Here's the
0: thing. Like I love, I, I, I kind of like loved watching like this train wreck kind of play out, but on the flip side, it's like, I have a lot of problems with the way he handled it. Like, you know, uh, you oh, should
1: absolutely. He's despicable from the start.
0: Yeah. Like you should not be saying this. Like uh, somebody in your position should not be saying this. You like let Reddit boards and the internet, let this kid know that he has zero talent. This is not for
1: you. Like you should not be the voice letting this kid know it should be. How how can you be a teacher and also be this honest? I know because there has to be some level of, of at least putting on a show of believing in these kids to be able to foster some sort of level of talent, no matter how small that is, but to come in with this this just brutal critique of here's all the technical errors you made, and here's where I think your future lies. In fact, here's where I think all of our futures lie. Like, I couldn't believe we got the for an opening scene of a show, oh, unbelievable. Like just the 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 amount of honesty that he brought into this room, however inappropriate it was, it was it was shocking to see.
0: I'm hooked on it though. I'm gonna be watching this week to week. I think I'm giving it. I'm hooked on it. I'm gonna give it a high taste. It like, um, yeah, he's despicable, but my god, I part of me wants to see this train wreck every week. So I'm there for it, Joe. And I love Bob Odenkirk. And it was a, it was, it wasn't the best pilot I've ever seen, but it was enough to get me hooked. Like that's part of it. It, it's.
1: I agree. I think this pilot did a very good job of subverting your expectations as to what's going to happen, because, I mean, just with what happens in the opening scene before the title drop and then with what plays out in the rest of the episode, I didn't I didn't see any of it coming. And and with as well acted as it is and with the the very good job, it's hard for a, for a pilot to come in and set up so many different characters and set up the potential of what's to come in the season. And I felt like for a pilot, this show did a really, really fantastic job. For me, this was a Tupperware. Like I was I was blown away. There was multiple times where I had to pause this and like talk to my wife about it and be like, I can't believe this show is doing what it's doing. Um yeah so for me, this was a Tupperware. I thought it was really, really great, and the the promise of what's to come this season is very exciting for me,
0: yeah, yeah, like because
1: th- there's there's only room to grow for these characters, you know,
0: absolutely, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. This is one I will be watching, uh, Paul, did you get a chance to see this? I did, yeah, um, I don't know,
2: like <laughs> um, I'm not a college teacher, but man, did this. Did this whole thing really just hit so close to home. Um, you know, I, I like my entertainment to be an escape from from my job and man I was getting stressed out. I was I was thinking of interactions I've had with parents, interactions I've had with coworkers. Um you know, like uh it, it it's almost like a scathing indictment on the education system. <laughs> As a way, because you have Bob Odenkirk, who's being—I mean, obviously he was. I, 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 I hated him in the first five minutes. Because how could you ever talk to? Eh? Yeah, college kids and high school kids can be fucking—you know—they can be very challenging. But you're also the professional. You're you're there to guide them. You're not there to just degrade them. That's
0: <laughs> that's the, a no-no. Verbally dress them down in front of their peers. And
2: then on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, his wife is now being raked over the coals for not being hard enough on the kids. You know, she's trying to give these kids a chance, you know, and it's like, oh, see, you know, like you got that bullshit guy at the end of the episode. Like, oh, see, I told you. Like, I fucking hate that shit. I hate that shit in the teacher lounge. You stick up for a kid. Then they be a kid and you get some somebody – on staff or higher up. See, I told you. Like, oh man, my blood was boiling so fucking hard during this whole show. Well acted. Uh, I, I think you, I think it painted a very accurate, real des- depiction of the battlefield that education is. Whether it's how you deal with kids, the politics of dealing with coworkers, um, trying to find a change, all of that. I I give it a high taste. It I honestly don't think I will be watching any more of it, though, because I kind of want to keep the classroom in the classroom. <laughs> I don't know if I need my entertainment to be reliving my day-to-day through Bob Odenkirk at night, <laughs> if that makes any sense.
1: <laughs> oh, dude, I, I think it makes absolute sense because this is your profession. and And if you see somebody else who is – A professional, I mean, a tenured professional, uh, a tenured professor, that is a professional in their industry. And to see them treating their students this way, it's got to be very disturbing coming from the perspective of a teacher whom I know, like, truly really cares about their students and their students' well-being, whereas this guy, he doesn't give a fuck about his students. He doesn't give a fuck about their well-being. He's just doing what he feels like he can get away with, which is the most terrible position for a a teacher to be coming from.
2: And and multiple people in that staff lounge say that. They're like, I got tenure. It's no big deal. Like, I'll just I'll just be I'll be reprimanded, but whatever, like, God, dude, that staff, that, that, that little staff meeting place they had, ugh, it gave me PTSD, man. I <laughs> <laughs> too I mean, close to home to be entertainment dude, for Paul. I get dude, it. I well done show, but I'm not coming back. <laughs>
0: Yeah, if, there, if the, I get it, Paul. If there was a show about a third-rate podcaster who comes home alone to cats and jerks off on the couch, then I, you know, I...
2: <laughs> what's even worse, Too they got Mario Lopez to play this guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's gotten so bad, I can't even come unless there's a cat watching me.
0: (laughs) Why hasn't Pez, the company, the candy company, come out with a Mario Lopez Pez? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. The J. Lopez.
2: The J. Lopez.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. These are the questions that keep me up at night, Paul.
2: It comes in a combo pack (laughs) with a sad Affleck Pez.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, coming from the angle of somebody who's not an educational professional, um, I, I really do feel like this show has nowhere to go but up from here. It, it sets up a, a really great main character who's a, a a very unlikable character, but also portrayed well enough to where you want to go along for the ride and and see how this is going to go. And the relationship that he has with his wife, there's a really great conflict that they set up in the first episode. I feel like... The cast of his co workers in the English department at this college are very quirky and interesting, and I want to know more about them. Um, I, I just feel like this show has nowhere to go but up. And, and to- Paul, I can totally see where you're coming from, being that this is a show that's, I mean, literally based on your profession. And the closer some shows get to home, the less entertaining they can be. And and from my perspective, it's having nothing to do with with teaching or schooling or anything like that. This is this is a great show, and in terms of a character study, I feel like it's going to be a really great ride.
0: It was nice seeing uh, Cedric Yarbrough from uh, Reno Nine One One on the show as well. I like him, and then Diedrich Bader in this.
2: Yeah. Um. One real quick thing, you know who one of the executive producers on the show is is uh, Peter Fairley. Uh, of, of the Fairly Brothers, and that's why one of the teachers in there is a real, real. Her, she's a, she's an actress, but that's also she's really in that wheelchair. Yeah, like she, yeah, yeah. So uh, again, they're just showing how awesome they are. So I do like the
1: diversity,
2: but 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 yeah. Yeah, she's
0: yeah. <laughs> she's she's funny too. She's got good comedic timing.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, did. Shannon Devito, she's hilarious. Wow, is she de- related to uh de- to Danny? Oh, let's find out. Let's find yeah.
0: I was trying to fi- I I need to
2: who where have I seen his wife from?
1: Nah, it's spelled different. No, oh, is it It's it's DeVito with Devido with D E V I D O. Not Devito. Oh. And D E V I D O was his name.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me, I'm an idiot
4: <laughs>
0: But that that's Lucky Hank On uh, AMC So Let's talk about uh, the final thing here Pinball, the man who saved the game An unsettled writer With a fantastic mustache Roger Sharp finds solace And confidence in one thing he has mastered Pinball When a police raid destroys the only machines he can find in the 1970s New York City, he learns the game is illegal. Uh, Roger reluctantly joins forces with the Music and Amusement Association to overturn the ban while falling in love with Ellen, an artist and single mother. Roger's path to save Pinball ultimately rescues him. He and Ellen overcome their past and take a shot at- Why is it giving away the whole fucking movie in the synopsis here? Jesus Christ. Whole thing. <laughs> I got this I got this on their fucking official website too. They're giving away <laughs> giving away the whole fucking movie. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it was written by Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> this is on. It's on video on demand. I'm sure it'll be available on some service later. But I just, you know, uh, I love. I, you know, I love to. It, it, I love to play pinball. Um, I, I had no idea that. Yeah, uh, oh, oh, hold on. Cast: Mike Faced, Crystal Reed, Dennis Butz. Bits- Boot Securis, and then it's directed by the Bragg Brothers. Um, never heard of them before, but, um, I had no idea. In the 1940s, pinball was outlawed by New York City Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia, uh, who claimed the game was one of chance, not skill, and thus a form of gambling. Uh, LaGuardia. ...made the ban a top priority for the New York Police Department in instructing officers to undertake prohibition-style raids and dump thousands of the offending machines into the Hudson River. Most major cities across the country also outlawed the game, including Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and Chicago. Um, Thanks to the efforts of a GQ journalist and pinball wizard, Roger Sharp, the New York City ban was lifted in 1976... Um with Kokomo, Indiana, the last to legalize the game in 2016. Oh my god. I had Kokomo no- Kokomo, Indiana. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no island called Kokomo. It's in.
1: Yeah, it's, I was gonna say right, not the Kokomo, the beach. No. the Beach Boys were singing about, no, which wasn't even a real place.
0: It's not. Apparently, they were singing about this fucking town in in Indiana that just legalized. <laughs> that when they sang that song, you you still you you still couldn't fucking play pinball there, Joe. <laughs> Everybody knows <laughs> a little place called Kokomo. The, you won't, <laughs>
1: a pin, place where Tom Cruise will do some flippy bottle shit to serve yeah. your drinks. It's uh, <laughs> we're playing pinballs. A
0: big no, no in Coke. <laughs> <laughs> well done. That was
1: well done. Awesome, man.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm quite the lyricist over here. Um, yeah. Well, look out weird Al. Uh, um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're crying. don't quit your day job, big weird owl Um anyway. I almost said big owl, which is actually a strip club in Peoria, Illinois. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shazam! Let's go. Shazam <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah,
0: I had no idea. You know, this is a low-budget movie, Um, and I'd never seen these actors before, and I've never heard of the Bragg Brothers, but I... I really liked this movie quite a bit. I liked it a lot. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I really liked... Yes. I liked this movie quite a bit. It had a lot of heart and um, is a movie centered around pinball machines. So it was, it was, you know, and then had this little love story in there as well. And then they had uh, kind of like this older man playing the older version of Roger Sharp that was kind of like doing like a, a documentary about um, within the movie. So it's very kind of like,
1: yeah, at first it felt like a documentary. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like a confessional, kind of like one of those, uh, like watching the office or even, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where he's just talking to like the camera crew and, and, um, about this and they're wanting him to just to get to the court hearing and he is telling them about All the other stuff that was involved and then taking them back to the 1970s and stuff like that. And I felt like I was watching an entertaining, uplifting movie, uh, but at the same time, getting an education about like how, um, how the, how the, the game of pinball was outlawed and how they, it was associated with the mafia at one time and, how they believe that it was gambling that it's not a game of skill and so it comes down to like this one final scene in the movie where you know he's standing in front of uh, um um uh, uh he's like in a it's like he's like in a court of law and they're going to he's he has to play the game in front of them and prove to them That it is. It's like
1: a city council
0: meeting. City council meeting. Yeah. He has to prove that it's not a game of chance, that it is a, yeah, it is a game of skill. And so you're waiting for that one moment. And man, I just, I had a blast with this movie. I learned a lot and I thought it's, I thought it was like the, the perfect, like I, Yes, a documentary would have been cool, too. But like, I think they took the best of both worlds here and and gave us a really fun fucking movie. I would like I I think it was like six bucks to rent this and it was worth the six bucks. I I give it a Tupperware. Pinball, the man who saved the game. Um, Paul, what did you think?
2: Yeah, this this is my favorite thing I watched this week. Wow. Wow. I didn't know anything about this. And until it came up on the list and um, um, I don't know if you're ever going to get to it, but uh, speaking of Bob Odenkirk, um, his show Better Call Saul, the guy that plays the older version is a regular in that show. So I was really happy to see him in this because okay. he is so good. But yeah, like I, I was drawn into this right away. The phone went to the side and I was all in because I loved I love the, the storytelling style because I haven't seen a lot of it like this where, you know, like it, it's like a it's a movie and there's a documentary inside of the movie and all of that. That's telling a real true story and almost kind of the banter between him and the off screen producer guy where they're calling each other on their shit. Like he's like, you know, stop telling us about Ellen. And then all of a sudden they're kind of showing you know, like I'm thinking of the time where he's teaching Ellen to play pinball and it's getting like all sexy, and he's like, what the f-? he's like, what are you guys doing like it wasn't like that like 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 you're making the movie stupid like like it's not you know like like stuff like that that they're doing with each other kept the movie fun, and even like uh there's a part where he's like, you know you might think a lot of this is bullshit, but like here's you know like here's the facts, and it was just a real charming story. I love this stuff. With I loved him and Ellen's relationship. I loved I loved uh, when they brought Seth into it. I loved that dynamic. Um, I don't feel like there was a wasted character. The photographer was cool. All the all like the guys that like invented pinball. That part was really or not invented, but like we're manufacturing the machines. Like, I learned so much of this. It was so cool. And that LaGuardia guy sounds like a fucking
0: asshole. <laughs> like, he had to go to a fucking uh, uh, like a, an adult a triple X bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An adult bookstore to play the game of pinball in New York City. It was kind of like, you know, kept behind those triple X doors, man. It was wild. I I, I had no idea.
2: And Billy clubs back in the day were made from rep from, from fucking pinball legs. I, like what
0: the yes, fuck? I had That's no a, idea. I,
2: I looked that up because I'm like that can't be true. Like this hat, I'm like, oh my god, it is true. That's fucking insane. That had to hurt like a son of a bitch. Um, but yeah, no, I love this. this. This was so much fun. I was almost like. Like uh, I had to go to the bathroom, and I almost had the opposite thing of Joe with the Boston Strangler, where I paused it and they said there was fifteen minutes left. I'm like, oh, like that's sad. Like I want there to be more of this. But no, I I yeah, this was my favorite thing this week. just maybe because I didn't know anything about it, it kind of came out of nowhere and just took me by surprise. But mm-hmm. this was so much fun, so charming, and just a good, fun, entertaining movie.
1: Yeah, Joe, what'd you think about this? Dude, I'm I'm right there with you guys This was my favorite thing we watched this week um, I went into this thinking it was going to be a documentary And the way that it's filmed, it's filmed like it's a documentary But then when it starts, when this guy, this, this Roger guy When he's on camera and he's this older guy and he's telling his story And then he starts talking about the 70s It's like, oh, okay, this is a documentary with some reenactments in it and and then come to find out no this entire thing is a movie there's nobody playing their real version of themselves in this this is entirely a movie but the way that it's filmed it's so captivating yeah and it tells the story i mean i i feel like almost any kid growing up at least in america like pinball was some some in some level pinball was in your life if you went to an arcade maybe pinball was like the the opening foray into video games and stuff and like who hasn't played pinball but I didn't know this history of it. I had when it was talking about that it was illegal and it had been illegal in New York City for three decades, I'm like fucking how? It's pinball. And then to to know that this this LaGuardia guy that for most people I think LaGuardia, you just think of the airport. And so okay, this was a New York City mayor in the 30s that made a big enough splash that they named a fucking airport after him. Must have been a good guy. And man, the way this documentary portrays him, no. Typical politician piece of shit. He runs on this platform of, oh, I'm going to get rid of organized crime. Gets into office and realizes, okay, that's a really big promise to fulfill. What can I do? Oh, let's crack down on pinball machines because this is a racket that's designed to steal lunch money from children. And so then there's this over the top response where he's got cops going in raiding bowling alleys and fucking like soda fountain shops, and like pulling pinball machines out in the street and and breaking the glass tops off on them and like Paul was saying they they confiscate the legs off the machines and they make new billy clubs for the for the for the New York police department out of it. like what? like you're gonna take something that was like a game for children. I mean, and, 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 and turn it into like the weapons to crack people over the top of the head with it's, it's insane. And so then fast forward to present day and it's, or not present day, but it's present day for this character in the time that he's telling this story and it's 1970s, New York. And he, when he was in college, he discovered pinball. He, he discovered a love for the game. He got very, very good at it. And then when he's an adult now and he's done with college, he wants to be a writer. So he moves to New York city to be a writer and ends up working for like an ad agency. And it eventually he gets fired from that. And he just goes on this run of bad luck where he can't find a job. And then he's on the street one day and he's feeling sorry for himself. And he hears these pinball sounds and it's coming from this triple X adult bookstore. And he goes in and there's these games there and, and it, it you know he he kind of gets his groove back and 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 finds his self confidence then he aces the next job interview he's at meets a girl gets her number and and i love how this is a movie about i mean it's called Pinball the man who saved the game but at the same time there's this very heartfelt B story that's going on in this documentary that you don't expect and and i love how the documentary's meta enough to where it calls it out on it from both sides, where sometimes it's the filmmaker calling it out saying, hey, come on, let's get this moving. And other times it, it's Roger, the guy who's telling this story, that's calling out the filmmaker saying, OK, you're dramatizing this too much. And, and overall, the result in the end is it's just a very fun, educational, heartfelt movie that that you learn stuff along the way about pinball. I mean, when this was all done – I was googling arcades in in the Cedar Rapids Iowa area thinking where can I take my kids to go play pinball uh, because this just sounds so much fun this this made me want to have my own pinball machine so I could go out and play and I get know. better at it because this movie goes to lengths to say this isn't some game of chance where where you're just playing chaotically you're using you know, the flippers on the machine, you're bouncing the ball around, hitting targets, and every once in a while it's going to go down the gutter, down the middle of the drain, and and you're going to lose. And instead, this game is saying, hey, no matter what, eventually it's going to drain, but it's it's about the journey along the way, and it's about taking control of this and getting good enough at this game to where, hey, if I want to hit a certain target on the machine, that's the point of this game. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get good enough at it to where I'm going to use the plunger to good effect. I'm going to use the bumpers to good effect. And it made me look at pinball in a light that quite honestly, I would never looked at it before. And it made me so excited to want to play the game. And I think that in the end, that's really the goal of this movie is to educate you and to get you stoked on the subject matter. And it did both of those things so well that in fact, I think it was about 35 minutes into this movie. I paused it, went on voodoo and bought the digital. Cause I was like, this oh. movie is so good. I don't even know how it ends yet, but just based on the first 30, mov- 30 minutes, I fucking love what this thing's doing. I know both my kids are huge gamers when, when we order broasted chicken from the local bar and we go up there to pick it up. They're always excited to go up there and spend quarters playing the pinball machines that are in the, go- in the bar. And really, that's about the only time that they ever play pinball. But I'm like, you know what? This is a movie that I'm going to be able to connect with my kids over and watch. <clears> because not only is it talking about this thing that I know they're into, it's also telling a great human story. And, and this movie just excels in that. This, this was my favorite thing that we watched this week. Absolute Tupperware. I bought my own copy of this movie. I know it's not streaming anywhere yet. It is well worth the rental. To watch this because this is a movie that's going to make you feel good and it's going to teach you real stuff about the sillier side of American history where sometimes things get made illegal that have no business getting made illegal. It's just a political scapegoat and who would have ever thought pinball would be a political scapegoat Mm -hmm. and that there would be this dramatic heartfelt story around the fight to bring it back and make it legal again. And just w- what an incredible story. I absolutely loved this from beginning to end. And this is something that I'll be going back and watching multiple times again in the future, just because I love the way this movie made me feel. And for sure, I'm going to be visiting that local arcade in Cedar Rapids and taking my kids to it because, yeah, I, <laughs> this movie just made me excited. I, I think if, if a if a pinball machine wasn't so expensive, like I'd be buying one and putting it in my uh, garage right Tell now. you what.
4: Next no, time,
1: it's just <clears throat> I mean, wow, this movie just got me so excited. There's a, and I love when a piece of film's able to do that.
0: There's a pinball museum about 50 minutes away from me. And it's actually two buildings and you go in and it's just they've got pinball machines like you've never seen in your entire life. But <laughs> dude, that's awesome. <clears throat> Once or twice a year, they'll have an auction. And I was
2: going to ask you about this, Brian.
0: <laughs> yeah, once or twice a year they'll have an auction, and I almost bought. And I mentioned on the episode I almost bought a pinball machine, and I wish I would have now. Um, I think it sold for like eleven. Oh, right? I think it sold for like eleven hundred dollars, and it was a you know perfectly in working order. Every, everything was great on it, but um, uh, in Chicago, there's the Galloping Ghost, which is the largest arcade in in the world. And they've got a separate building for the, their pinball machines there, and man, they've got some great pinball machines. Um, they don't have an, as many as the museum here in Normal, but they've got a lot of great pinball machines. Um, like one that I absolutely love is called Funhouse. It is a blast. And then the, oh my God, the Godzilla pinball machine is fucking amazing. It is so much fun. It tells a story. You get to see kaiju battles on the screen and it is so much fun. But, um, yeah, Joe, if you ever, you know, I don't know, man, maybe take some time out if you're up in Chicago, if you have a, a little bit of time and go to the Galloping Ghost and, and I think you can play for like 20 or 30 bucks. You can play all day. It's unlimited. So.
2: Yeah, Milwaukee. It's exciting. Milwaukee, we we have it's called the Garcade, and it's it's 20 bucks for all day and and they have 150 cabinets from the 80s and 90s and then they have 75 pinball machines.
4: Yeah.
2: And Emma and I just rocked we just rocked this shit out of the Ninja Turtle one, which is so much fun, and then um the James Bond one. But, Brian, I was on that episode where you were talking about how uh, – because it was like Black Friday. You were talking about how you almost bought that pinball machine. Yeah. I feel like – like, like, do you think if if, if this movie would have been that week's good pop, bad pop, would you, do you think you would have pulled the trigger and bought that pinball machine?
0: Yeah, I would have – definitely <laughs> for sure right? I definitely would have I I I definitely would have I would have been like okay I'll find room in my house to put this fucking machine because I mean it's literally like 45 minutes away from me it's like there's no reason why I can't like you know ask my brother-in-law to like use his truck and like bring it over here <laughs> I would have been you know I would have watched that movie and then immediately went and played some pinball so yeah yeah, it's a fantastic movie. I highly recommend it. It's called I and may it made me wanna uh um it made me wanna listen to uh Pinball Wizard by the Who afterwards. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking about that as well.
0: Uh, no, it's called, uh, pinball, the man who saved the game and I highly recommend it. It's, it's my favorite thing that that we watched all week as well. Um, guys, news was like really slim pickings this week. Uh, I really only have Marvel. I think I only have Marvel DC and star Wars news. So let's jump into Marvel news. news man marvel leaks and rumors are hard to come by when there is no marvel Studios spoilers reddit page like it, it's still gone i don't know if you guys oh have... i
1: know they got that thing on lockdown it's yeah. sad
0: um but uh can we get some toast on twitter said that uh is talking about the Ironheart series and saying that riri williams will have three models of her armor and Ironheart. so um, three different models of, uh, her armor in that series is what, uh, what they're saying. So that's all I got for like rumors. Other, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's been, <laughs> can we, yeah, it's, can we get some toast on Twitter? Everybody else's, it's just been very dry. Nothing new from my time to shine. Hello. Nothing new from Thwipt. It's been very dry. Um, News from Murphy's Multiverse. Uh, New Daredevil Born Again set photos turn back the clock. Uh, Principal photography on Daredevil Born Again is well underway. In and around New York City with various parts of different neighborhoods being transformed into key settings for the streaming series. Last week, pictures of a corner store in Harlem being remodeled as Hell's Kitchen and Delicatessen made their way online. And now filming has begun at that location and revealed it is part of a flashback sequence. The location stretches down the block and a bit judging by the cars on set seems to be set in the late 1970s or later. As seen below, um, they have the pictures there. I actually reposted these on Twitter. If you're following us on Twitter, you can see those. A stack of new newspapers are set and dated November 1st, 1999. But while it's tempting to believe that's the time period for the setting, those are actually real newspapers. Um, Valley News is a publication that serves the New Hampshire and Vermont region and the Patriots did really beat the Cardinals 27 to 3 on October 31st, 1999. Blah, 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 blah. God damn it. Um, get to the good shit. Christ. Uh, given the difficulty in nailing down the exact time period when this scene is set, it's all but impossible to determine exactly what might be going on without further context. However, star Charlie Cox indicated in 2022 interview that as part of Daredevil Born Again being a whole new deal, the series may include a retelling of some of the events that previously had been seen on screen in the Netflix Daredevil series. Um, could that be what's going on here? This scene looks to be set in the late 1970s in the canon established through the Netflix series. Matt Murdock was 30, 32 years old, meaning he was born sometime in the mid-1980s. That Daredevil series was set in 2015, while the MCU is currently set in 2025, 2026, depending on what project is being viewed. Um, with the big time jump, that would make Matt 40 to 42 in the present day of the MCU. If Matt was out and about in the 1970s, he'd be pushing 50 years old in present day. Huh. Hmm.
1: I wonder if this is some villain setup stuff.
0: Yeah, they're saying it's also possible that it's not Matt Murdock's story being told at all, but another of the series' main characters, Wilson Fisk. Uh, The casting of uh Sandrine Holt as Vanessa Fisk in Daredevil Born Again has raised some questions about just what parts of the Netflix Daredevil series are being considered canon in the MCU. It's possible, given the length of the series, that Marvel Studios may be choosing to retell the origin of Wilson Fisk and Matt Murdock for the MCU. Joe, I think you're right. I think that this going back to the 70s, they're we're going to be looking at Wilson Fisk as maybe a child and like maybe him coming from... Maybe him coming from uh, kind of like a gangster background. I don't know.
1: Agreed, because they they mention in that article retreading some of the ground that the Netflix series has done, and we get you know Child Wilson Fisk in in the Netflix series, and it sets up you know kind of the first first person he ever killed and where it went from there. And so if they're going to be retreading that ground in this. With a different character, it doesn't make sense to have it be Matt Murdock at that time period, because like it said, that would make him like 50 some years old. And, and, you know, ageism aside, I don't want to see a 50 year old dude in tights running around Hell's Kitchen. Um, it, it just makes more sense that this is setting up Mil- Wilson Fisk's background, which I think is a good move, because I think that that is one of the things that the MCU has really cracked in terms of code, and that the more... You can ground your villain and the more that you can make audiences sympathize with your villain, the the better it turns out in the end. And so I, I think this is a smart move with this. I think the Netflix series did a a a, a bit of good work in set a, setting up the origins of Wilson Fisk, but they didn't delve too deeply into it. And so I feel like this is some fertile ground for this uh, Disney Plus series to get into. Yeah. Eighteen episodes, so yeah. It's uh, it's so many. Good God. <laughs> in in this modern age, eighteen episodes of television, that's like in any other series, that'd be two seasons. They've gotta break it up.
0: They've gotta break it up. It's gotta be nine and nine, you know? They've gotta break it up.
1: Agreed. There's gotta be some sort of break that's gonna happen in here with like a mid a mid season. Penultimate episode that, yeah. that's going to set you up, and then a break, and then you're going to have to look forward to it coming back because otherwise, 18 episodes—how do you? This is the only way you can combat viewer fatigue, because audiences are trained. You train audiences. Television trains audiences, and right now, audiences are trained to have a a a focus meter that's only going to last around 10 episodes or so.
0: Good God, it's like. I think 18 episodes. I think, man, there's got to be a lot of filler in there. Hopefully that's not yeah. the case.
2: <laughs> you Ooh. think of like a network TV season that is I know. usually 22 episodes, and that's – those have so many filler episodes.
0: I know. I know. God.
1: Oh, yeah. I've been rewatching Lost with my kids, and those are like 24, 25 Episode seasons of television—it's crazy. Jesus Christ! That's yeah, it, <laughs> it
4: well, just that's, goes and goes.
2: <laughs> I know. I got like at first I was weirded out when I started Abbott Elementary the first season. It's like there's 25 to watch. Like what? This is there three seasons out already? Like holy oh, wait, shit! No, this is, well, back this the, is this is network TV.
1: It's
0: back in the 60s. It used to be like up to 30, 40. Oh, that's
1: wild. Yeah, but. But with Abbott Elementary, Paul, I had no idea they were still doing – it's been a while since I've watched network television. I had no idea they were still doing that long of seasons.
2: Yeah, it's the same with the reboot of The Wonder Years. It's like 22 episodes a season still. It
0: wasn't a big deal when we were kids though. It, it, it's, it's things it, – the, the landscape of TV has changed so much. It
1: Yeah. used Yeah, to be, streaming changed everything.
0: It used to be that they would – you would watch this stuff in prime time and you had to be there to watch it unless you had a VCR, but you had to be there to watch it. And once the summer hit, no new shows, you know? So it was like every week people were watching this stuff on prime time, but now with everything being made readily available to us to watch it streaming whenever we want to, it's like, Oh, if we missed it, big deal. I'll just like, I'll act who's watching live television anyway? I'll just watch it streaming when I want to. And mm-hmm. it used to not be that way. It used to be like you had to be home. Like if you wanted to watch this show, you had to be home at that time. And if you missed it, you'd have to wait for the summer when they started airing the reruns in the summer. And, you know, because there was really no new television in the summer. I remember um, 90210, like, didn't take a break in the summer. And they got huge ratings over the summer and picked up a bunch of new fucking viewers just because it was like the only new thing <laughs> on TV over the summer.
4: Uh,
0: yeah.
2: I I apologize. The first season of Abbott Elementary was only thirteen episodes. The second one is is going to be twenty two. Way to go, Paul! I right, man, at least fuck? I at least God I still corrected. Okay. I have some integrity. I can't believe you. Were, no, like
0: you were like, if you didn't do your due diligence and look that shit up, I would have had listeners out there thinking. I
2: know you would have. That's I why.
0: can't. How the fuck am I supposed to go to bed at night knowing that my audience thinks that you're a fucking goddamn liar?
2: <laughs> I knew somebody. I knew somebody would have would have tweeted you or emailed you. I or know, yeah, God!
0: Correction Tuesday coming in hot. Oh, we just forwarded
1: them to Paul.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> and it's like fuck. Yeah, I would have just tagged your ass on that shit.
1: <laughs> it, actually the first season of abbott elementary had 13 episodes i'm i'm shocked shocked <laughs> shocked I'm that co-hosts on that are so misinformed i know and and this is a man teaching our children what the <laughs> fuck?
2: and it's a show about teaching that would
4: there's the irony
0: <laughs> maybe you should go back to abbott elementary
1: it <laughs> learned how to count <laughs> yeah
2: that's why i teach reading and not math
0: <laughs> what do we got here all right fuck it dc news where is it
3: last night batman destroyed my vagina And now the Leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Don't be
0: pissed at me that the news is weak this week. It is really fucking weak. It is fucking weak as shit. It is... I was looking at the news. I was like, God, these are my stories. Christ. <laughs>
1: that's, that's right. Go to the movers and shakers. We're just reporting on yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Oh my. God. You know what? I, before I forget, and I don't want to forget, is uh, RIP, rest in peace, Lance Reddick,
1: man. Oh, man. Oh, dude, that really hit me. That guy has had so many amazing roles over the years. Um, you know, the, in January, when we did our Tuppies episode. I went on and on about how much I loved Farzar. He voiced one of the main characters in Farzar. You see that season um, two is coming out in July. Oh, uh, it is? It's they a, are doing a season two of Farzar? Hey man,
0: I went to IMDb and it said season two hits hits July 15th is what Dude, it said. Dude, I'm
1: so happy to hear that. And I, that, that might be one of the last things we see him in. I'm sure he's got a role in John Wick 4. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see him in that. And just – he's – He's just one of those character actors that have popped up in so many things over the years, and when he shows up, like he knocks it out of the park. Uh, we lost this guy way too soon sixty years old, man, sixty years
0: old that's that's way too young, dude way too young uh, and they said it was they said it was natural causes. Is that what I
1: read? Yeah, I read it was natural causes too oh. Uh. Guy was powerful. He's a yeah. powerful actor. Yeah. And it's it's sad. It's sad he's gone way too soon. I can only imagine that this guy's career would have just continued to go because he was able to fill this niche that not everybody was able to do. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, with me doing my Lost rewatch, he even had a, he even had a, a somewhat regular recurring role in Flashbacks and Lost. It was fantastic.
0: I think he's showing up in the John Wick spinoff
1: ballerina as well. Oh, good. I'm glad we'll get to see him again in that. Yeah, I so.
0: was I was really hoping that, you know, with the the, the John Wick spinoff series, The Continental, that he was going to be like a main character in that. And like yeah, that would have made sense. Yeah. And it looks like that's not going to be able to be a possibility now, sadly, because I don't think they filmed anything for it. So that's really sad. Um news from THR Ben Affleck was asked by THR so if DC came to you now and said do you want to direct something and he went on to say I would not direct something for the gun DC absolutely not. I have nothing against James Gunn. Nice guy. Sure he's doing a great job. I just wouldn't want to go and I just wouldn't want to go in and direct In the way they're doing that, I'm not interested in that. So, like, that puts to bed any rumor of Ben Affleck directing a Batman movie for the new James Gunn DCU. I was kind of shocked by these, by that basic, that very blunt response.
1: Yes, it was a very candid response of him just being, All right, I'm going to give you a 100% honest answer. And for me, I immediately went to the quote where James Gunn was saying, hey, release dates aside, if we're coming up on a release date and we feel like a movie's not where we want it to be, we're going to keep going back to that drawing board to get it to where we want it to be. And I wonder if that movie production by committee is specifically the thing that Ben Affleck's like, I'm not interested in. If I'm making a movie, it's going to be my vision. and And I think that's... You know, that's that's I don't think that that's an out of line thing for a director to say. And it seems like going forward, these DC movies are definitely going to be made by committee.
0: I, I think that he is going to like, I honestly, I'm glad he's putting like all the Batman and the DC and the superheroes behind him. I think it's sad because like this guy, he is a Batman fanboy, Um, huge fan of Batman, but I think it's sad. He's not my favorite Batman, but I I do think it's sad. But I do think the dude flourishes when he's not doing the superhero stuff. Like Argo, fantastically directed. I think he's a really good actor. In my personal opinion, I think Ben Affleck's a good actor. I'm really looking forward to seeing Air. Um, the trailers for that have me super excited. It's the story about how Nike landed Michael Jordan as That
2: looks fantastic. It looks
0: great, man. Him and Matt Damon. It looks really yeah, good. Yeah, does. I think that well, cool. drops mid-April and I'm really looking forward to it. Go ahead, Paul.
2: Uh I'm sorry. Um didn't he, like I'm trying to find it. I feel like about a month ago he said that he cuz he started a production company with Matt Damon. Yes. And something along the lines of like I don't just want to be part of like an assembly line, which I feel like he said, which I feel like the superhero movies have become like I want to go out and make these passion projects like like I'm an older established actor. Like now I really want to do the stuff I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing here because I like I saw the first thing on Facebook and Twitter is people like, oh, like. You know, he's not going to do DC like DC's loss is Marvel's gain. I don't think he's going to go to Marvel. I think he's going to now do these personal slice of life movies like Argo and and this air movie like i want to see him more behind the director's chair because i think that's where he really strives at
0: i mean so i think great. he's a damn good actor too that fucking that movie where he was playing the the basketball coach that oh was, my
2: god that what, the, the, the way back
0: yeah the way back man he's fucking great in that movie i think he's good in front of the camera and behind the camera i think i think I don't think Ben Affleck gets enough credit. I I think he's really fucking good when he's given the right material. So,
2: yeah, I, I do love his quote of, of, of how he said, um, you know, like Zack Snyder called me up one morning and was like, Hey, do you like, I have a reshoot. You want to come to my backyard and film? And he's like, I said, hey, isn't there unions? And Zack Snyder's like, I don't know. And he's like, eh, I went and I did it, And now it's my highest rated movie on Rotten
1: Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that quote too.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, so.
1: No, uh, I... Oh, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, I do think that writers, directors, and actors are at their best when they're doing something they're passionate about. And I think that if their passion is telling them I don't want to be part of this big franchise machine regardless of of you know what sort of rating it might get you on IMDb what sort of audiences it might put you in front of I think people are at their best when they're doing something that they're truly passionate about and so I applaud him for saying this is what I want to do going forward because what he has done going forward in the in that genre of him just following his own muse and doing stuff that he's passionate about has proven to be very good both in front of the camera and behind the camera. So I'm I'm just happy to see that Ben Affleck seems to know what he wants and he's unapologetically and unafraid going towards that. And I'm excited to see what that next thing's going to be um because like you were saying the the trailers for Air look fucking fantastic. Yeah. And and going going back to Goodwill Hunting, you know, when you pair these guys together, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, they are really fantastic on the screen together when they put their collaborative genius together and knowing that they have a production company with each other now i'm very excited to see what the future is going to hold for these two yeah yeah no i
0: agree i think uh i think it's the right move and you know i yeah i think he's at the point in his career where he can just he can he can be like you know what yeah i don't need to do your superhero movie i'm gonna go out here
1: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah he's like you know i want to direct movies it doesn't have to be dc oh yeah. just because i was the last batman everybody expects me to just continue on and and do a dc movie next no i'm cool Is i'm it? do I'll, you know i've d- been there done that i'm gonna do my next thing myself and have it be something that i'm passionate to do he's like why don't you go poach
0: another fucking rick and morty writer to go do you <laughs> fucking
4: <laughs> God,
0: <laughs> that's all marvel's doing right now is poaching uh, rick and morty know, right jesus <laughs> anyway uh news from dark horizons tom cruise has seen and loves the flash did you guys see this yeah <laughs> i saw that it,
1: it literally made me laugh out loud i was like oh we got the tom cruise seal of approval now fantastic um hey, hey man if maverick loves it
0: Good chance I'm going to love it too, man. Uh. I mean, I mean if,
2: if the character, like if Maverick, I'm okay with Maverick approving it. I, I don't care that Tom Cruise likes it. I, I,
0: I do care that Tom Cruise enjoyed this movie. I feel like, I, I honestly feel like going into The Flash now, I'm going to sit
1: a little bit easier knowing that, yeah, Tom Cruise enjoyed this film. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but wonder, is there an angle? Is Tom Cruise trying to be like, "Hey James Gunn, I like what you guys are doing. Make me a superhero. I'm ready. I want to be a DC superhero." And if that's the case, what character could Tom Cruise be lobbying to play? I don't know, uh, man. I don't I get know. Marvel
0: to pay him it, more money uh, to be. I don't Stark think Tom Cruise. I don't think Tom Cruise wants to be in a fucking superhero movie. Come on, unless it's a cameo. I. I can't see I can't see this guy taking time out from like what he's doing, like with the Mission Impossibles and and, you know, I can't see him taking time out to like like I'm going to dedicate so much time unless he's thinking about like the fact that he won't be able to do these stunts much longer once he starts getting into like creeping into like his like, you know, 60s and shit.
1: No, and it would have to be an elder statesman type character maybe not like a full on lead doing lots of the action but something that would have an impactful role yeah and he's so just... i started racking my brain for that I like maybe ted, maybe like an older ted cord we we know that he's got a little bit of comedic chops because i still fall back on that that small role that he had in tropic thunder reinvented a bit of his career and the way that people looked at him knowing that this guy's not afraid to take a role where he doesn't take himself completely seriously and he's gonna fucking go for I it. I would even say before that, like,
0: I agree with that. I do agree with that. But in his role, his role in Magnolia, if you've ever seen that, like, I'd never seen him play a character quite like that. Um, I just can't, he's a leading man. He's like one of the last, like, big Hollywood leading men. I just can't see him jumping into the superhero genre.
1: Yeah, and, and for me, this was just, you know, chasing like this stray thought of could this be? Yeah. You know, something like that. But but maybe, you know, I mean, you'd you'd have to think if you've made an entire career in movies that you've got to be on some level a huge fan of cinema. And for you to be like, hey, I want to see this movie. I want to screen it in my house and see what it's like. And then, to gush over it, then on the one level, then that's, that's really, really cool. And, and I am, this flash movie's got so much buzz around it. And it's also got so much negativity around it with the amount of time that it's been delayed with the controversy around its leading man. And I, I, I'm so curious to see this movie. Uh, the trailers for it do look great. I love the flashpoint paradox storyline. Um, it's, I'm not gonna lie. It's a bit of a head scratcher for me. Going, okay, Tom Cruise loves this superhero movie. Is there an alternative ulterior motive behind it? Is he just saying this just for the love of the game? That that he saw something that he absolutely loved. It took him back to his childhood, maybe, and he's just you know glowing about it. But you know, I mean, I'm not saying that every single Film in Tom Cruise's career has been fantastic. I mean, this is the guy who signed on for Vanilla Sky, and that thing sucked ass. Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm not saying he's got 100 percent hit rate for fantastic movies, but it is. It, it's it's another vote in that that side of oh, this is intriguing. What's this movie going to be like? Because of all the DC of all the DC movies that are coming up, that we know are going to be happening. The Flash is the one that I'm most interested in seeing what it's going to be like. Oh, me too. It's I, I'm, I'm there for Michael Keaton. Um, oh, oh yeah. I mean, how can you not be growing, you know, at the age that we all are? I mean, that is that is my live action Batman. Mm-hmm. I was born in 1980, and so I've watched more of that original Batman than anything else in live action. And to get him back on the screen is going to be so exciting. And also being a huge fan of The Flash and with Flashpoint Paradox being – perhaps the most quintessential Flash storyline that there is. Um, This movie's got a lot going for it. Joe, I got a question for you. What do you got?
0: What would it take for, okay, opening night, the Flash movie, and they're getting ready to start the movie, and what would it take for us to get a video of you standing up in the theater? You know, we know that there's been a bunch of controversy with Ezra Miller and his antics like what would it take for us to get a recording of you standing up in front of the theater and saying it's Miller
3: time like (laughs) It's Miller time ladies baby. and gentlemen it's Miller time <laughs> yes
0: like like to get like one of your kids recording you doing that like one of your kids like sneaks up to the back of the theater and records you standing up and saying <laughs> 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 just say, it's Miller time and then you, <laughs> and then you sit down. <laughs> <laughs> how much uh, what would it take to get that awkward moment on video
1: <laughs> oh it would be so awkward dude like i swear theater audiences in iowa are so stiff and boring like it would just be crickets afterwards and that would make it even funnier <laughs> people, most people would probably be like i don't get it and then throughout the movie beer in with them. <laughs> And then throughout the
0: movie, just randomly saying, Miller time.
1: <laughs> Every time there's like a good Ezra Miller line, Miller yeah. time. <laughs> Miller time, baby. <laughs> Afterwards, people were like, I thought the movie was fine. I don't understand why that fat guy kept yelling Miller time. And then there's this one moment where he said Michelope Ultra for some reason. <laughs>
2: said those and I I, I didn't get it
4: (laughs) (laughs) it's It's Miller Miller time
1: time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) (laughs) every once in a while I'll be altruistic and I'll shout out if they like if like that's the only mid-credit scene or so I'll be like that's it there's no more after this you can all leave
0: I just get up and walk I fuck a man let him sit there let him sit there.
1: Uh, oh, spe- dude! Speaking of that, I forgot to bring this up during our Shazam review. I found out after the fact that there was a post-credit scene. Yeah, that I did not stick around for. Yeah, uh, only I only was only there for the mid-credit scene.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's the mid, and then the post. Uh, just uh, I always just do a quick Google search before the movie starts. Um, does. Does this movie have a post credit scene? And then it'll let you know, like you'll, you'll find a site and they'll let you know.
1: <laughs> that That's what a piece of shit I was this week. I wasn't even willing to Google that. <laughs> yeah. I just turned to Aiden and went, I'm willing to just leave. How about you? And he's like, let's go.
0: <laughs> it looks like, what is this? News from Dark Horizons. Uh, Zack Snyder has been teasing these cryptic social media postings on Vero, about an event called SnyderCon, and it takes place in Los Angeles, begins on April 28th with a Man of Steel screening with post-Q&A panel with Snyder at the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. That's followed by a Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice screening and a fan signing at the same location on Saturday. And then Zack Snyder's Justice League will host a full-color IMAX screening and post Q and A panel at Universal City Walk on Sunday, April thirtieth. A lot of people are thinking like he was teasing that he's going to come back and finish the trilogy. Like, what are you talking about?
1: Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I I feel like if you host an event like this in a big enough city, sure, you're going to get people that are going to show up for it. Um, and and I know the Snyderverse has got huge fans out there. People are really into it and really love it. And to me, I I felt like there was parts of the Snyderverse that worked well. There's parts of it that were absolute misses for me. I think the, 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 the justice league, like re-release that they did on HBO. Zack
0: Snyder's Justice League. Yeah.
1: Yes. That one that was like four hours long. It was so much better than the theatrical version that we got that Joss Whedon had come in and finished, but there was other parts of that, that universe that just didn't work for me. Um, Is it a fucking crime to bring a little bit of joy into your comic book movies? Uh, You know, that's something that I, I, I long to see in, in DC's course creation course, correction yeah um well you know uh, give me a, give me a superman that's got a little bit of joy to it and, and wants to actually inspire people with hope
0: um well, let's confirm that james gunn's directing the superman
1: yeah and i'm very curious to see what that's going to be like when it's all said and done i'm going into these yeah. things with an open mind um now i i didn't hate the zack snyder stuff i'm not a zack snyder hater i i loved his version of the Watchmen. Oh, um, me too. And you know, there, there's there's stuff in the Snyderverse that I like, and there's other stuff in the Snyderverse that I'm not the biggest fan of. But I also feel like he gave us stuff in live action that we'd never seen before from a, a DC side, and and that is commendable. Um, w- would I be willing to go to a Snydercon? Absolutely not. <laughs> like it's just I'm not not into it at all. And I, and I feel like this is one of those things where every once in a while he throws stuff out on social media where it almost feels like he's just dumping fresh meat into the, into the, the tank with the piranhas in it, you know, and this has just felt like one of those things.
0: Um, I, he's always been kind of like a, I, I think I don't understand like the, the, I think a lot of the problem is his fans. I don't think it, the problem is Zack Snyder himself. Zack Snyder has always been kind of like, a carnival barker for his own stuff. He's always been like this guys. It's never, it's never changed. He's always been kind of like his biggest promoter when it comes to his movies. Um, I think a lot of the toxicity has come from some of his fans, but I think there's good ones and bad ones. So I don't know. I, I would, I would 100% go see Zack Snyder's justice league in the theater. Oh, I would love to see it in the theater because
1: I had... To... Oh, I'd love to see it on a big screen too. Yeah. That would be cool.
0: Yeah. Did you see who's writing, who's going to start writing? I think it's in May. Um, who's writing the new Shazam series for DC?
1: No, who's that? Mark Wade. No shit. Yeah. That could bring a lot of
0: joy and yeah. fun to that series. Yeah, I think that's a... I think that's, that's definitely... That's a good pairing there. I... I I loved what Mark Wade did with Wally West. I loved what he did um with uh daredevil um I wasn't a big fan of his Hulk though good Hulk is hard to fucking write. my god um but uh you know I, yeah i think i think mark Wade written uh, Shazam is gonna be i think that has a uh, there's a lot of fun to be had there anyway. I don't even... the fuck? Star Wars news? Eh. Yeah. Eh, yeah, fuck that story. Um... Love it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. They're talking about maybe... a I guess it was a crossover between... Um... What is it that – possibly crossovers with The Mandalorian, with uh, Ahsoka, and Skeleton Crew. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I think that makes sense. I I think that if Disney is thinking correctly, they're thinking – got to be racking their brains on some sort of way to capitalize on just how well some of their TV series are doing versus how abysmally – their their prequel series turned out because they are killing it on the D on the TV side. Um, you know, with how well received the Mandalorian has been, with how great Andor was. Um I know Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan weren't the the biggest things for audiences in general, but there are people out there that absolutely loved those things. And if they can find a way to connect these universes and turn it into this connected universe they got to be thinking hey it's worked great for the mcu there's no reason that it can't work for as expansive an ip as as star wars is yeah i don't
0: know it's just more of like it, it reeks more of like uh uh mandalorian showing up in the boba fett series unless it's a true crossover
1: i i don't know i i don't know no i'm with you dude unless the story actually supports it and they're not just doing it for the sake of crossover, then it, it's it's going to fail. Because I absolutely agree that at the time, I was super excited to see those Mandalorian episodes in Book of Boba Fett. But in retrospect, they would have done much better
0: mm-hmm. as the
1: opening episodes of season three of The Mandalorian. Yeah. and yeah. And so to do a crossover just for the sake of crossing over – It's a bad idea. You got to have really strong writing behind it. And Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan didn't have the strongest writing behind it. I think they had good premises, but they weren't executed as well as they could have been. whereas Andor and Mandalorian up to this point have been very well executed.
0: Man, what do you think about the Mando uh, episode three?
1: We've never gotten a Mandalorian episode like it. Is yeah. what I think. I I think that they're. I don't know if this is reactive. Like, I don't know when this was written, when this was filmed and all that, when they did this. But it almost feels a little reactive to Andor.
0: It does. Where they're
1: like, we want to ground this a little bit more with a little bit of a serious story. And. I think for some audiences it didn't quite work having this episode that was kind of a Mandalorian sandwich. I didn't see With- enough of the green baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yay. But but yeah. for me, I thought it was cool. I was like, hey, yeah. They they're they're starting to ground this a little bit more in not quite just adventure of the week, but this is the sort of writing that you do when you're telling something, a story that's going to take a season uh, it just, it, to come through.
0: It seems like they're just doing a lot of setup that's going to pay off and try to make sense of like um, the Snoke clones and shit like that. So
1: agreed, yeah. agreed. Like to me, I kept thinking about that Poe Dameron line from Rise of Skywalker. He's like, somehow Palpatine yeah. returned, right? And and in this episode, like especially with like that Dr. Pershing uh speech at the beginning where the, the location in Coruscant where he's giving that speech, it is that same opera house where we got the have you ever heard the story of Darth Plagueis? <laughs> you know, like it was it was that same location. And to me it just the all of it just screamed Palpatine.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. I'm sorry. I'm fading, guys. (laughs) guys. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you be tired? I am fading. Um, uh, Looks like uh, the Daniels, the directors for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, uh, there's a new report at One Take News that uh, they are said to be directing at least one episode of the Upcoming Lucas film and Disney Plus series "Star Wars: Skeleton Crew." So, yeah, that that if that's true, that's a big get for them. Um, I know I need to watch everything, everywhere, all at once again. I had I still haven't seen it again. Um, I need to watch it again. I need to give it that. I need to give that movie a, a fair shot again. It's just I think the runtime just kind of like and. <laughs> just kind of like I don't know if I want to.
1: I <laughs> Where were you at on your on a rating for your first um, viewing of it? I I don't really remember when we initially I, covered it.
0: I gave it a low taste. that I didn't like it, Joe. Everybody loves that movie, and I just yeah, it was a Tupperware for me. Dude. I know everybody was like everybody loved. I feel like I missed something. I feel I'm not saying I'm right. Like I just I feel like I feel like I missed the heart of that movie somewhere along the line. I and I it, it, I think I was. I was doing a double feature that day. So I had already seen another movie in the theater. And then I went directly and saw that movie. And so I think I was kind of like checked out or something. I think I need to seriously watch that movie again, give it another shot. And I might walk away from it and be like, oh, my God, I don't know what I was thinking the first time. Now I get what everybody loved about it, blah, 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 blah. But I was not the biggest fan of it. it. Yeah. It,
1: it felt Dude, like... if you miss the heart of that movie, then I mean that's really what carried that movie. Yeah. Was was the heart of that story. The especially the story. I mean, there's heart in several different levels of that movie. The relationship with her and her daughter, the relationship with her and her husband. Um, even to an extent the relationship with her and the IRS agent. Like it is yeah, that, I, I think if you went into that with not the right headspace and you weren't willing to to go along on the ride of the emotional journey of that, and instead you just looked at it as purely a sci-fi movie, I can see how it would have failed for you.
0: Yeah. Did you see the new Barbie trailer?
1: <laughs> Dude, I saw it in the theater. I thought it was fucking great. <laughs> that was really good. That movie looks insane. And I can like I can't believe I'm saying this out loud as a 42-year-old man, but I can't wait to go see the Barbie theater or the Barbie movie in the theater cuz it looks fun. It looks really fun.
0: Oh, uh, Paul, have you seen the new Barbie trailer?
2: No, no, the only one I've seen is like where it starts off where she's like that, you know, she's like in that iconic swimsuit.
0: No, they do the the uh... They do this. This new Joe is it the same one where it starts off as like the the monolith with all the
1: little kids playing with like baby dolls.
0: Well, yeah, and, and it's like two thousand one, a space odyssey with like yes, like yeah. with with <laughs> with uh, the the apes at the beginning, but it's these girls seeing like the Barbie doll, like the big the big Barbie doll that looks like the. was it are those things called like the monolith? The is monolith. That, yeah. 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 It looks really funny. God damn it, guys. I'm fading. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. Fuck this shit. Uh, Paul, are you looking forward to the Daniels directing a Star Wars episode? There you go. There's your question.
2: Yes, uh, but I, I am one of the few people on this earth that has not seen that movie.
0: How the? Why the fuck would you be looking forward to them directing an episode? I
2: mean, everyone seemed to like that. I, I like people getting chances. Look
0: at you look at you're just a bandwagon guy hey i'll bandwagon these guys (laughs) they seem like nice people (laughs) (laughs) you sound sound like a jack wagon right now i'll tell you
1: that (laughs) (laughs) i know several very cool daniels and these guys seem like a more cool daniels yeah they were very they were very humble
2: at the academy awards they put on good interviews everyone loved their movie let's give these guys a shot at star wars just be honest new ideas in there
0: oh come on just be honest be like i didn't watch the movie i don't care I don't care about these fucking guys getting a fuck. I want people to succeed. Fuck them. Whatever.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 they can go to hell.
0: Yeah, they can go. They can go straight to hell, Daniel. Go
2: straight to hell.
0: Fucking Daniels go straight to hell.
2: <laughs> fuck off.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm done. That's it. That's all. That's the show. Next week, uh, all we're doing is a, a John Wick episode. That's it. And then,
1: Joe, aren't we taking like a couple weeks off? <laughs> yeah, we're. T- then we got C2E2, and so we'll have that week off. And then, uh, I think we're we're coming back after C2E2 with an episode, right?
0: I, I don't know. Maybe.
1: <laughs> Hold on. Let me look. Like... We'll see how we feel.
0: <laughs> Let's see. Here. So, on the 27th, we'll record an episode. You'll get on the 28th. That'll be John Wick. And then, uh, the, the third, we, we're, we'll, we're not gonna be recording. We'll be at C2E2 Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then, uh, Monday, we're not, the day after C2E2 ends, we're not gonna record. And then, uh, fuck. Yeah, I guess we'll come back on the, on the 11th. That's what yeah, they'll sounds get. Sounds the, I, I suppose. God damn it! It'd be nice to <laughs> be nice to have a couple weeks off. But you think, Joe? You recharge the
1: battery. You know. I don't know what I'd do with myself with that much time off, not talking into a microphone. Oh shit!
2: Let's bring Starcast
0: back for a one time. We event. got. We got. A, we got. Paul. Maybe he wants the time off. Um. Did you just said he. <laughs> I, I think there maybe that was sarcasm. Maybe that was sarcasm, Paul. Like, just whoa, said he whoa, didn't know whoa, he was,
2: not... just said he didn't know what he was going to do. I thought maybe he'd keep him in the game. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You know what? He'd go to hell with the Daniel brothers. <laughs> <laughs> you go, you'd go straight, straight to the fiery pits of hell. <laughs> Take your day off up your ass. I don't
4: know. <laughs>
0: I guess we'll come. Joe, do you really want to come back after C2E2 and have to watch a bunch of shit that week?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I've got that whole week off work, so I'm going to have nothing to do but watch movies. All right.
0: We'll fuck it. We'll come back. We'll come back. on. We'll record on the 10th. We'll come back on the 11th, but I'll be dragging my feet the entire time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll bring extra enthusiasm for you if nothing else to annoy you Yay!
4: Uh, yay. yay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> paul where can people find you man apple to oranges
2: uh we got the new we got new ted lasso and we are uh we just covered the first episode of shrinking because we Felt like we had to
0: drag June on to watch that show. Why? What the fuck? I don't know. I'm gonna, fu- I'm gonna, I'm gonna give her hell when I see her. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Just throw a drink in her face. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, you and the Daniels can go to hell. Go straight to hell. <laughs> yeah, this be weird. All right, that's it. That's I'm done. We'll be back next week talking about John Wick. And, uh, Jesus Christ, Joe, I, I'm going to go shove a knife's pick in my fucking brain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your self-lobotomy.
0: I know. Next week I'm on the show and it's like. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You're going to show up to C2E2 very mellow. I
2: know. Welcome (laughs) to leftover popcorn. (laughs)
1: it's like were you hanging out with nurse ratchet what the hell happened to you yeah no, no shit no. wow did man. chief save you oh that. <laughs> ah oh, god that's
0: a great movie man it's <laughs> so oh good. it's so good yeah all right guys uh we'll be back next week uh until next week we're putting, putting a the lid, lid on it, it. all right uh-huh. <laughs>
1: They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that.
3: There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a walk, Brad. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps it's, it's a trap. Gonna to toss it, gonna to taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That originally good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the chaff. And we're the chaff, crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap! And toss it, good at do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over. Counter culture push over, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say already been said? Leftover. Yeah. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. It, good it, taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, pushovers pop culture leftovers. I mean, the uncool kids. What's to say already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.